Hi everyone, my name's Em and welcome to episode 10 of Verbal Diorama. Um, today we are going to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And if you listened to the previous episode, um, I had a special guest on. Her name was Kristin from So I'm Watching This Show. And I mentioned at the end of that episode, if you listen to the whole entirety of the three plus hours, um, you'll know that this episode is going to be about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, um, but that it was also going to have a special guest on it. So bearing that in mind, I would like to welcome our guest, the wonderful and always very supportive Sade from Offscreen Babble. Hi, Sade. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am awesome. Obviously, spent quite a lot of time recording the episode with Kristen. Um, I'm hoping yeah. <laughs> that maybe this episode could potentially be a little bit shorter. Um, but, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll see because... We've we've actually already spent an hour <laughs> prior to this recording talking on yeah. Skype. Um, so things are not looking great. But on the positive note, we may beat the record of three and a quarter hours. Um, so, you know, e- yeah. either way is a positive thing. So what I like to do, Sade, is I like to just kind of say what I've been up to recently which, to be honest, um, is not much because I've been away on a holiday. Um, I went away with my family um, just for a break to the English coast. Um, so we had lots and lots of rain. <laughs> uh, oh, I was going to say, oh, that sounds lovely. What was that like? <laughs> to be honest, the first day was really nice. We had some lovely sun and then the rain clouds came in. And I think basically British weather is known for not being particularly great and um Mm -hmm. yeah it was there was a lot of rain it was fun it was fun to get away it was fun to spend some time with my family and and yeah um so really podcast wise I have not really done all that much um the only thing that I have kind of done is I'm currently planning um a little piece um for my friends over at Geek Salad um they're doing an episode on um basically movie soundtracks so i'm hoping to get that over to them um in the next few days and hopefully that episode should be out shortly but hopefully shade you've been up to a little bit more so would you like to let people know what you've been up to recently yeah i was like what have i been <laughs> up to um so next week i am traveling with my husband and co-host of our show um to new jersey he's originally from new jersey so we're visiting his family um so i guess a lot of the stuff we've been doing is kind of planning stuff for the podcast in regards to us traveling Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to think next week toy story 4 comes Mm. out so we just watched toy story 2 last night again just to kind of refresh our memory uh, I argue that Toy Story 2 is the best film yes. over 3, yep. but he thinks 3 is the best, so I mean, it's good, that's a whole thing. But yeah, Toy Story 2 is is the top for me, definitely. I, I, yeah, I re- I, and I get it, Toy Story 3 is great, but I just think Toy Story 2 is better, but whatever, I don't want to... I don't want to start a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's like so Toy Story. So it's like, they're all great. <laughs> yeah, they're all great. Exactly. And so like in, in anticipation for that, we bought um, like a mobile recorder. So we might go see the movie while we're on vacation, Toy Story 4, and then kind of record our reaction. So that's exciting just to see how that will mm-hmm. work. 
Um, and then, yeah, we've been kind of planning out what we're recording this week. Um, and yeah, as far as like non-podcast related stuff, I mean, like the only non-podcast related thing I have is still related to podcasting because like I recently made that enamel pin. I made an yes. enamel pin that says, I love podcasts. Yeah. And like, I, I loved making it. It was so much fun, like designing and stuff. So like, I'm kind of playing around with like, oh, I want to design another one, but they're really expensive to make. So it might be a while before I actually produce another pin. But um, I've been playing around with that. And yeah, I guess that's about it. I feel like most of the stuff we're doing is like preparing for uh, our Toy Story episode. Yeah. I use this company. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's called Pin Department where you could like if anybody is trying to make a pin, I highly recommend it. But they have like they obviously are very good with like what they're making it out of. And I was really happy with the end result as well. Like I thought it came out really. Yeah, it's so good. So basically what I want to do, if it's okay, is when I had Kristen on the show, um, I just basically just did a couple of, it was like a brief interview really, um, just Mm -hmm. to kind of, if anyone doesn't already listen to Offscreen Babble, um, and basically a little bit about you and and Kyle and all that, if that's okay. Um, Oh yeah. So I guess my first question is, um, what made you want to get into podcasting? Wow, yeah. So I think I've been listening to podcasts, gosh, since 2008, I want to say. Wow, a long time. I specifically remember, like, listening. And I guess technically, the first thing I remember listening to was, like, the Ricky Gervais podcast, which I think now they have put everything into an audiobook. Mm. But it was, like, so early that, like, podcast wasn't a thing, I guess. Yeah, it was so one of the first, So everyone was like, what I do think. we do with yeah. this? Yeah, like, what do we do with all these audio recordings? I guess, he, and he's doing it on a topic. I guess it's an audio book. So there you go. Um, but I would listen to that. That was when I um, was, like, first familiar with Ricky Gervais. And I really liked uh, the British office and the American office. Um, and so, and I, I forget that travel show he did with Carl. Oh, um, is anything abroad. abroad? Yeah, that's right. It. I, I remember, I, like, that was, like, my whole thing during that time, like, at least 2008 and on. Um, and so, yeah, I had started listening to podcasts then, and then throughout the years, I um, when podcasts became more popular, I really loved listening to, like, anything pop culture related or um, TV and film analysis, like, in reviews. I, I enjoy listening to that. And so, yeah, that's when I started, like, listening to podcasts, and I think in the past few years, I was like, oh, I, I think I would want to start a podcast, which I think is what everybody says now. <laughs> I feel like everyone has a yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, I feel the same. What? Like ev- like celebrities, <laughs> your dog, your well, that, grandma. Well, <laughs> that too, yes. Like, I have opinions. You know, I should record them. And so um, I think there's a podcast. I was kind of like, how am I going to do this? Who am I going to podcast with? I'm not sure. Um, and... I listened to a podcast called The Wild The Wild Line uh, that's still on. It's a box office podcast. Okay. Because I, I also like listening to, like, bo- box office numbers and analysis on mm-hmm. that. Um, and he hosts it on his, by himself. And I was like, oh, you could do that? Obviously, you know this. <laughs> you, you host your podcast sometimes by yourself as well. And I was like, oh, I, maybe I could do that. And I started talking to um, my husband about it. I was like, you know, I think I want to do a TV and movie podcast. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I was really doubting myself. Mm. Like, 
I'm not an expert. All the podcasts I listen to, they sound so educated on film and they know so much and I know I can research, but I'm never going to know as much as that. You know, I was, I was really doubting myself and, um, Kyle noticed that like whenever we would go see a movie or when we would watch a TV show, we would have like really in-depth conversations about it. And he's like, maybe we should do the show together. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know if you'd want to, because the other thing with Kyle, who's my husband and co-host he is very positive about movies, and I think sometimes too positive, even about, like, really bad movies. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if you will really, like, actually review the movie as much as you would just say, great, loved it, <laughs> five stars, you know? Like, I don't know if there will be a lot of, like, analysis coming from that. So we talked about it, and then we were just like, you know what, let's just try it. And we basically when. I would say, like, within a week and a half or two weeks of finally deciding to do it, that's when we released our first episode. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I kind of did it very quickly, like, as far as, like, okay, I'm ready to do it. Okay, let's do it, you know? But I was very hesitant um, beforehand and really, really nervous to do it because I just felt like, uh, who's going to want to listen to me? There's so many TV and film podcasts out there, you know, and there, I, I was just really doubting myself the entire time. But Kyle was really supportive and helped me go into mm. it. And it was very nice because he offered to co-host it with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that story. I think it's so lovely. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but I think everyone feels that, like, that that concern about, oh, well, you know, I might get, like, my friends to listen or my family. And, and that's kind of it. And then when you realise mm. that random strangers are listening and... and yeah it's, yeah, it's really surreal. Like, it, it still, like, completely bewilders me that, like, this week, a random person in Germany downloaded an episode of my podcast, and I'm like, who do I know in Germany? <laughs> and I, was like, I, I, I know, know every time Germany. I see someone, like, because, you know, I'm in the U.S., anytime I see someone outside of the U.S. downloads an episode, I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. like why? <laughs> like, okay cool like it's it's exciting yeah it is but I think it's only natural that you have like those initial fears of oh my god like what am I doing like this is just crazy yeah yeah Um, so I wanted to sort of find out obviously I've been a listener of Oscar and Babble for a long time because you were like pretty much the first person that I kind of found um in the podcasting world so Offscreen Babble that was the first kind of well, it wasn't the first podcast that I ever downloaded, but it was the first podcast I downloaded that was hosted by someone that I kind of knew of. Um, but there may obviously be um, some people who are listening to this who maybe have never listened to Offscreen Babble. So how would you describe Offscreen Babble to a complete newbie? Yeah, I guess I would describe it. It's a TV and movie review podcast. So that's probably very familiar to a lot of people. Um, I guess the thing that makes us unique really is just that, like, I'm, and also there are tons of podcasts also hosted by married couples, and Kyle and I are married. But I think really um, our dynamic is what makes it, I guess, unique yeah. in that way. Like, I think um, Kyle is really trying to. I was very surprised because when we started doing the podcast, he started to be like, oh, I guess I'll, like, review it. <laughs> I guess I'll <laughs> actually, like, <laughs> like, start to analyze it. And I was like, oh, okay. And for me, I knew my thing. Sometimes I felt like I overanalyzed, like, to the point that 
I wasn't appreciating the art. I was like being too technical. Mm -hmm. So I think the podcast, if anybody's new, who's like interested in listening to it, it's kind of like our journey, like developing how we're analyzing film and TV shows and really talking about what we like and dislike. Like obviously very familiar concept, but um, I think in our description, we were like, oh yeah, it's going to be like, really like we're gonna agree to disagree and it's gonna be like really intense it's not that at all <laughs> <laughs> there, there there are times where we have like really strong different opinions yeah and but it i think overall especially for me i don't ever want to go into um a review and say like this movie's horrible and let me tell you why it's horrible i really want to be like thoughtful about like okay this just didn't work for yeah. me yeah why is that I don't want to be negative, I guess, the entire time I'm talking about it, because I believe most movies, while they are probably made for profit, are also made to, like, express something. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to find that out, and I think Kyle's also trying to figure that out. And it's just, like, our discussion about it. It's something that, like, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with when you leave a movie and you start talking about, like, what was up with this part? And, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed this. I, I feel like that's the kind of energy we're bringing into our review. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you on the whole kind of positivity thing, because I think it's really easy to, like, walk out of a movie and, and go, oh, my God, that was rubbish. Like, what a complete waste mm -hmm, of money. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it is that, yeah, that movie might not be great like you might not have enjoyed it but it's it was made for a reason and and like you say that nine times out of ten that is for financial gain um but also yeah, it, yeah. it's not just it's not just like you know one or two actors and a director and a screenwriter you know it, there's thousands of people who've contributed to that movie in a way and mm. I always kind of feel like you know regardless of the the outcome of the movie whether it's absolutely amazing or a complete pile of poop you know you you still yeah, kind of yeah. they still deserve some sort of appreciation for the hard work that they would have put in to that movie um absolutely and so yeah. and I think that for me I just want to make sure that I'm I have a tendency I think in the past I used to be very like let me just rip it apart let me just say everything that's wrong with it and I think I'm trying a little bit harder now to be like okay, well, actually, let me say what I liked. And I'm, I still will say what I dislike, you know. Um, but I try to be mindful of, like, not just being like, I didn't like it, so that means it's bad, you yeah. know. Like, I, I try to get, like, I, I also, like, try to research, like, other people's opinions and say, like, okay, well, this is what I thought. I've heard other people express this, but, like, so maybe that's why it works for them, but it didn't work for me or vice versa or whatever. Mm. I mean, the one thing I like about your podcast in particular, and I know that I've mentioned this to you before, is it is kind of the the chemistry that you and Kyle have. I mean, and it's weird to kind of say that because obviously you guys have chemistry because you're married. So you would, you would think that you guys have chemistry together because obviously there's there's quite a lot of banter between you. And sometimes you do have like these little disagreements where like, like maybe Kyle will say something and, and you'll just be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. you know, that little kind of husband and wife style banter that I, I really, really yeah. love. Because obviously your podcast is always like really interesting because you cover like a range of topics. So it'll be like all of the things yeah, that is you've true. seen. So it'll maybe be a, a, a movie and then a couple of TV shows or 
or you know i mean you'll co- you'll cover like four or five things in in one show mm-hmm. sometimes so it's always mm-hmm. quite varied and i know that the other thing that you do which i think is really brilliant is that you um time stamp um certain yes. things so because yeah. a lot of the stuff that you guys have seen like might not have come out here yet um so yeah that i i hope it's helpful for a lot of people because really like is. we're seeing a lot of things opening weekend or when it just premiered and you know not everyone has a chance to watch it right away even we don't get a chance sometimes we have to delay it a week or so mm. and so i hope that people could be like oh yeah you were, you covered this let me go back to it oh and here's the time code i can just listen to that segment yeah. if that's all i'm interested honestly in. it's it's so important because like um i can't remember what it was exactly but there was something i was i'm trying to remember the exact episode that i was listening to but it was something that hadn't come out here yet and i didn't obviously want to be spoiled on it but it was obviously part of your episode and that's when you said to me oh well if you look in the show notes i timestamp so you can oh yeah, yeah. and that okay. was really I, that, what movie that, that was. I can't remember exactly it was a little while ago so i've obviously seen it well probably seen it by now mm-hmm. um because obviously that's quite time intensive for you to obviously go through the episode and and sort of make a note of all the times and, and stuff like that. But I find that yeah. you're, you're probably the only podcast that I can think of that actually does that, um, which as yeah. when you're talking about four things and maybe I've only seen one of them and it's in the middle of your show um, is, is really valuable, actually. And I think it's something that you guys do really well. Yeah, I, I, I listen to a few podcasts that do time codes and I and I always like it. But there are, there are times where I'm like, oh, I wish I could just like, especially when they're covering multiple topics where I'm like, oh, I just want to hear this topic. I don't think I can fast forward without being spoiled on something else. So I guess I have to wait until I see yeah. the other thing, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, in order to hear this one topic I wanted to hear. So, yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's um, something that people use because sometimes I'm like, I'm putting in all these time codes. Does anyone care? Like, I, I don't know if anyone really like is going into the notes section. Like, I don't know. Um, but it, it is something like we tend to like review maybe two things. And then we have our like, let's babble mm-hmm. section where we're just kind of briefly recommending or not recommending something we watched recently. And even that might have spoilers. So like I, I include time codes on everything, hoping that, no one is spoiled. Yeah. And Kyle is very worried about someone being spoiled. <laughs> He's like, I don't want, like, time. I was like, okay, let's go into spoilers. And then he won't talk. And I'm like, Kyle, I'm going to edit in a pause. And he's like, okay. And it's because like, he <laughs> thinks I'm not going to pause and someone's going to, uh, I don't know, not pause their podcast. I don't know. He's super paranoid <laughs> about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you guys are doing everything right because, like I say, I've been a fan since... Oh, thank you. Well, obviously, start of last year was when we kind of first started talking. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. yeah, you were the first person who, um, who in, you know, the, the podcasting world that I'd ever really talked to. And I know at that time you were obviously planning... Well, I think you just launched. I think you'd, you'd, yes. you'd, you'd only had, like, a, a handful of episodes out at that point, but... Um, mm-hmm. obviously I was kind of talking about, oh, I want to start it. And to be honest, I can't even remember where we started talking, whether it was, I can't, I can't I think remember. It, I think it was on Facebook in a group. And that's what that's I was like thinking. For, for, uh, podcasts, like for, uh, female podcasters. Yeah. And like help, like a support group, yeah. basically. Because I basically start, like I mentioned, within a week or two, we just started the podcast and I released it. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't 
how is yeah. everyone gonna know what you like, like, what, what am I do supposed we do? to do? Like I <laughs> So I went to this group and like it was really helpful because obviously a lot of the questions I had were already answered. And then there's a lot of different people who are also podcasting and a lot of them were also planning on doing like pop culture TV. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had, I remember there was that like um, spreadsheet and we were all updating the spreadsheet and I was like the only one who didn't have like a podcast to like update. Yeah, I remember that. I was, because I was like, oh, okay, well, if we're all doing TV and film, we should all like talk to each other because we yes. obviously have a, a common interest. Let's like help each other out. And uh, yeah, and then I remember I was like, okay, go ahead and put it in your podcast. You're like, well, actually, <laughs> I don't have one yet. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I do remember that. Wow. That, that yeah, feels like yeah. such a long time ago. I know. It feels like such a long, because I still go into the group and stuff. But now since I've been doing it for a year, I don't have as many questions. Yeah. Um, but I think if anybody is listening to this debating, starting a podcast, I think definitely look into different, there's so many different podcast support mm-hmm. groups Yeah, that would be really helpful for them. If, if anyone's thinking about starting. Yeah, one. definitely. Um, so obviously you've done so many episodes now, um, on mm-hmm. so many different kind of topics and movies and TV shows. And, but do you have like a favorite sort of episode that you've done? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's hard because I feel like there are some episodes that I have like so much fun recording. Obviously, if anybody's interested, we, there's a three hour long episode <laughs> of Endgame <laughs> with M that Who's was that awesome to record. <laughs> mm. So I, I really enjoyed doing that one because uh, it was really nice to go into it. I felt like there was so much to say about it. Yeah. Um, and there was so much that we I, didn't I say as well. Like I know, right? Even when we were done and it was three hours, I was like, we could have gone further. Into I know. That. <laughs> um, I, I guess I, I really enjoy when we do have guests. So like obviously when you were a guest, I, uh, your previous guest, Kristen, yeah. and her co-host, Will. Yeah. Uh, we did an episode on the last season of Kimmy Schmidt. I really enjoyed that as well. Um, I, I always love when people come on to talk. Oh, I guess I should mention my little sister. Uh, her name's Yet. Um, she was, I guess, our official first guest. And I love when she's on just because it's just us talking, you know, like normal. And I think she's been on a few episodes. Uh, the one that I can think of right away recently was us the jordan okay yeah and i really liked talking to her on that one just because it's one of those movies also where you're like oh snap this happened what like you know like there's a lot of reactions in that so it was fun talking to my sister about that um and then also with kyle you know normally i host the show with kyle uh, two come to mind I don't know if it's out in England, but there's a show on Hulu in the U.S. called Pen15. It's not out here. It's It's definitely not out here. Okay. All right. So, obviously, Pen15, if you write that down, it looks like penis. (laughs) Um, I love that you had to to explain (laughs) that. Just in case case anyone's like, Pen15? So that show premiered and it's so hilarious, but like really touching. And it's about like being in middle school in the year 2000. And the funny element is that the two stars who are playing 13 year olds are actually in their late 20s or early 30s. But they're playing 
13 year olds amongst other 13 year olds so it's like this really awkward like grown person who's trying to be a kid so that's a whole other element but the show really tackled a lot of things that were um interesting and i really like talking to kyle about it uh just because also you know we've been uh together for some time but it was nice talking to him about learning about some things about when he was a kid as well that maybe i didn't know about Mm -hmm. um and then also, I'll mention this because I'm sure he'll, he likes this episode. When the Winnie the Pooh movie came out last year, this was oddly a tense episode for Kyle and I, which is so weird because I liked the movie, but Kyle loved the movie mm. and was getting mad that I didn't love yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, so his intensity in this episode is this as if I said the movie was the movie in the world, when really I was just like, oh yeah, it was fine. You know, some of this didn't work. And he's like, what? So I really like that episode just because Kyle doesn't get like crazy like that often, but he was really intense in that episode. So there are, those are a few of my favorites. Yeah. He's a genuine Christopher Robin stan, isn't he? Oh my God. That was, I, I don't know if I've seen that side of Kyle very often, <laughs> but I was like, Kyle, I like the movie. He was like, well, not enough. <laughs> it, was like, it was just like, it was so odd. And even he recently rewatched it and I was in the room, but I wasn't like watching it hundred percent. And I feel like he was overdoing it in his reactions <laughs> to like confirm how much he loves it, but whatever. He, he loves the movie. It's great for him. I think it's, it's a fine movie. Yeah. But that episode was weirdly tense. This children's movie was like a weird thing for us. I don't know. I mean, I I lean more towards you in that regard, in that I think it's I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think the first kind of half I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love I absolutely love the um the CGI and the the animation of the characters and I yeah. thought it was so beautifully done and I was like wowed by how realistic they all looked but it was like the kind of I think it was more like the last third was just I felt really disappointed by it I agree um, yeah. but so yeah I I would kind of agree with you but I kind of feel like that Kyle might be cross with me if I if I agree with you <laughs> so I might just have to say it's the best movie ever <laughs> It's one of those things where I was like, Kyle, yeah, but like, wasn't this a little like lacking? And he's like, nope. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, I don't think we're going to have much else to say about this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, you like what you like. Um, and yeah, of course. I'm sure there are movies like that where I'm like, this was absolutely, I, I, I'm sure it has happened a few times where I'm like, this was perfect. And his reaction is like, eh, it's okay. And I'm like, what yeah. you know so i i definitely understand that yeah. but it was just interesting that it's like this kid's movie that it was so like like i don't know many people who've even seen that movie let alone talk about it but like it's like his number one movie well, yeah because yeah. i don't think it did very well i don't i don't yeah, think I the don't box think so office either. of it was was really good i mean i saw it when it went on to streaming so i didn't even mm, catch it at the mm. cinema or, or anything um but yeah, I'm not sure how well. I don't, it did. Yeah, I don't think it did very well. But I mean, Ewan McGregor is nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah, he would like the acting, but it's just like overall, it's just like, eh. and and I was very curious. I'm always curious when we see these children's movies. Like, do kids like this? You know, because like sometimes I'm like, this seems maybe a little boring. Would a child like this? Yeah. 
you know, I, I don't know, you know, so. Yeah, because yeah, a film for, like Christopher Robin, for me, speaks more to adults and the nostalgia of being a child and yes. and that sort of thing, rather than being a kid's movie. Like, I, I couldn't yeah. imagine a kid, I mean, a child would probably like the characters and because, you know, kids love Winnie the Pooh and... But the whole kind of point mm-hmm. of the film is the nostalgia of childhood and, and when you and the loss of innocence, I guess. Um, and you only really can understand that from an adult point of view. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, Kyle, Chris Robin is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> just I just want that on record. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, um, you mentioned earlier about your pins uh, because obviously you've got an Etsy store now, which... Oh, I'll yeah, make sure that yeah. I link to in the show notes for for everyone. But oh, thanks. Um, but obviously, so I I know that you've got um, big dreams. Obviously, for the podcast, do you want to kind of maybe talk about what your ultimate kind of dream is for the podcast? Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess my ultimate dream, which like part of me feels like maybe is partially achieved, but I would like to go further is that I would like to have like discussions with other people about what we're talking about. I want to hear everyone's opinion. I want people to reach out to us, which would obviously require like people listening to the podcast, right? <laughs> like in order for them to know what we're talking about. So I, I hope that in the future we, I, I don't need it to be like the most listened to podcast, but I would like it to be a podcast that people feel comfortable engaging mm-hmm. with and talking maybe on social media about and one thing that we're trying to do right now is become Rotten Tomatoes approved uh, a Rotten Tomatoes approved podcast yeah which is awesome by the way our reviews yeah which like it's like oh I didn't know you could do that as a podcast because I personally have tried writing reviews and when I start to write, it's a mess, and I feel like it's just easier for me to speak what I'm thinking than write it down. I really admire people who are writing reviews all the time because I think that's, like, really difficult. Mm, me too, yeah. Um, and so I, I, when I found out Rotten Tomatoes will let you submit reviews through your podcast, you obviously, I think, still need to write, like, a small amount, but it doesn't need to be, like, a full review, and you don't need to be part of, like, a major publication or anything. You could be a podcast. That, I think, is one thing we're trying to achieve, hoping that we'll get more access to more people through uh, our ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only little problem is that you have to have, like, 200 reviews on your podcast, which I think is hard for even, like, big podcasts to get that many reviews. But um, I think we're at 50 reviews right now um, in um, in Apple Podcasts. So we're getting there and it has to be within the first two or you have to be podcasting for two years, which we're only been podcasting for a year now. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping by next year, um, we're at least getting closer to that goal of getting 200 reviews. And then, um, we can start submitting our reviews that way and maybe connecting with more people. And, um, I like arts and crafts stuff. So like the pin stuff is just fun for me, yeah. you know, like, like I, like if no one buys them, that's totally fine. Um, but I just like making stuff that I was like, oh, well, I like pod. I, I genuinely love podcasts. <laughs> like I'm subscribed to over, I think, 100 podcasts. Not all of them release new episodes all the time, but I just love listening to podcasts. And so I just wanted to like put that in 
some type of like art form (laughs) and the enamel pin was my way of doing that but yeah regarding our show I hope that people feel comfortable enough to like engage with us and talk to us about what they liked about the show or how um how a movie connected to them or whatever you know Mm. um yeah so that I guess that would be my ultimate goal so I just assumed that Rotten Tomatoes was you know you had to be a magazine or like an online magazine or I assumed that too and then I noticed a podcast on there and I was like huh and then I looked into it and I was like oh wow I, I think they opened up their criteria so also like if you're a YouTuber you could submit mm-hmm. um like they I think they were trying to open up to different platforms of how people discuss film and TV shows yeah well I mean it's all really interesting stuff anyway and I kind of feel like you like I say, because you were kind of the first person, I, I kind of feel like I've, in a way, watched you kind of blossom, in a sense, without oh. without, without sounding like super creepy and going, I've been watching you, Sade. <laughs> but, but because you were like the first person and obviously getting to know you has obviously opened up getting to know other people, you know, such as um, Will and Kristen on so I'm watching the show and obviously some other people. I've, I kind of feel like knowing you has kind of given me additional kind of opportunities to like get to know other podcasts and um oh wow yeah and yeah like I said kind of at the start like you've always been very supportive of of me and and of and of and of my show so I kind of feel and and I know we've we've said before in the past that you know we're both sort of very similar people in that we believe in you know lifting up others and supporting others and um because that's really the only way that everyone can, can, can succeed is is if everyone supports yeah. everyone and um and yeah I've, I've mentioned before that the podcast community as a whole is is all kind of very supportive and um but you were kind of really the first person who I was kind of introduced to well thank you yeah no I remember like when you were like we mentioned earlier when you were like oh yeah I'm still working on the podcast I was like get your podcast yeah. out I need to like I want to hear this podcast and when you finally released it I was like this is amazing like I was so impressed I was like wow like your podcast is something I would want to try to achieve with how um, informative it is that I was just like really, really impressed with it. So it was really exciting. I was, I was glad that we connected on that support yeah. so many months ago or over a year ago now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Too. No. And I, and I agree. I think the podcast community, you know, I think there are some people who might not be as supportive, but overall I, I had really good interactions with a lot of people and, um, I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts are really nice as well. And I think if anybody is listening to this and you like a podcast, I definitely think you should help them out and support them in any way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it is just giving them a review, even if it's like, cause I always say like when I'm talking about Apple podcasts, it's like not everyone uses an iPhone. Not everyone, you know, like listens to podcasts on Apple podcasts. Yeah. But if you like listen to podcasts exclusively through SoundCloud, great. Leave a comment, you know, like like the uh, audio file, like something just to let people let the people who are producing the work know that you like what they're doing, because it's definitely helpful as far because there are so many times I've released an episode. And I was like, well, that was garbage. <laughs> Why did I even you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I literally am so like, well, OK, who would actually want to listen to this? And then someone says something like even just like a, a like oh I like this opinion or even if it's like oh I disagree with you on this I'm like oh you listened great let's have a conversation about this you know like 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I think podcasting is a really supportive or podcasters are really supportive and I think podcast listeners are really nice as well and supporting. Yeah, them. yeah, definitely. I think we should start talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, yes. But first, before we do, um, I just want to know, does does Kyle have any thoughts on the movie? Like, did you mention that you were going to be discussing it with me? And does does he, what does he think of it? Yeah, I mentioned it to him and he was basically saying like, oh, yeah, that was a good movie. I think it's a movie that he probably hasn't rewatched in a really long time. But he because I'm sure we'll get into it. But I was kind of like, I think rewatching this movie in 2019 ruined me a little bit because this was, in my opinion, such a good movie. And it's a movie that I don't feel like we get a lot of today. Mm. And I guess I will go into more specifics later about that. Um, and so when I was talking to Kyle, but I was like, this movie is so freaking good. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I remember I really liked it. And I think, you know, at the time it came out, he and I probably would have been 13 when it came out. And so I think he, from what he could remember, he was like, yeah, it was really good. And then he started to be like, wait, is that the first one? And I was like, uh, <laughs> this is where we get into the trouble of there are so many movies that then you start to mix it and stuff. I was like, yes, the first one. Like we could, you know, the, the other ones are a different conversation, but the first one is so, so good. So I think he really liked it, but it's just been a while since he's seen yeah. it. Yeah, which I think is is kind of a fair comment because this, this movie obviously came out in 2003. So it's, yes. it's been a long time. And I think when you do have as many sequels as this has that are, let's be honest, subpar, um, when you compare yeah. them to this movie... Um, I think the sequels have a tendency to kind of drag this one down a little bit um, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. people's recollection because when I was re-watching this I was like oh my god this is so great oh wow you know the chemistry between these actors is great and but sometimes you you it's almost like a curse in itself that the the sequels yeah. I I consider to honestly be rubbish in comparison it's it's almost like it sullied the memory of this one a little bit for me as well I think you're right I think you're right yeah because um, I remember when I when the third one came out I don't remember how old I was I was probably like 17 or something and I think I saw it with my little sister and at this point I was like this franchise is amazing like I was like way too hyped I remember I like had a pirate scarf and like a pirate ring. I was like dressed up for not not completely in costume, but like almost there. And I left the theater and I was so disappointed by the film yeah. that I was like embarrassed that I was even wearing anything pirate relate. <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get home immediately. I can't believe I'm wearing this. <laughs> like this horrible experience afterwards. Because I was I just really wasn't happy with how the film, the third film ended. Um so, yeah, I think after that, I kind of never really rewatched the first mm. one to remember why I liked it so much. But you have now. <laughs> yes. And, and when the first one came out, I rewatched it so many times when it was on DVD. I remember like it was a movie. I used to watch movies um, when I was going to bed. And a lot of times it didn't really work because I would just stay up and watch the entire movie or at least stay up until get to a certain point in the movie yeah. like okay i like this part the most so let me just get there and then i'll go to sleep 
And this was one of the movies, like, when I was, like, 13, 14, or whenever it came out on DVD, that I would, like, rewatch over and over and over again for a period of time. So there was a period of time I watched it a lot, but then I guess after that, I hadn't seen it since mm. then. So this was my first time seeing it in a very long time. Yeah, same for me, actually. It's it's I can't remember exactly the last time that I saw this movie, but I remember when it came out um, on DVD, because... Mm-hmm. Because I still have the DVD and I, I watched it off my original DVD that I had. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah. So I, I obviously went out and bought it on DVD pretty much straight away. And um, But it I can't even remember the last time I sat and watched this movie kind of in its entirety. Because sometimes over here, movies are on TV and you, you might catch, I don't know, The Last Hour or, or something like that. But you haven't actually seen mm. the whole movie. Um and yeah. it, there was probably a couple of instances of that because if I saw that it was on TV, I might switch over and watch the last hour or something. But mm-hmm. I don't actually remember the last time I watched it in its entirety. So it's it's been a while, and I think that kind of worked really well because it kind of it kind of felt a little bit fresher, I guess the the fact that I'd not yeah. seen it in a while. Um, so mm. actually. While we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which, by the way, I'm going to just call Pirates of the Caribbean from now on because the title yeah, it's easier. It's is easier. so yeah. long. And if I have to keep saying Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl every time, this podcast will be plus three hours, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we might as well just kind of just talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, obviously, we've got a fairly decent cast, so... We've got Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, I don't know why I put a pause in there. Captain Jack, pause, Sparrow. <laughs> um, so kind of before this, he was obviously known primarily for more kind of offbeat indie kind of roles. And I read that he wasn't actually the first choice for Jack because they didn't think that he was bankable um, because at the time he was more of an indie guy. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually, they wanted Matthew McConaughey and I, yeah, I just, would have been so I weird. just can't see that. I can't see it at all. Yeah. It's because it's such an iconic Johnny Depp role. He's he's very much kind of gone in there, made it his own. I mean, the guy's done it five times, and arguably each time he's done it, he's got progressively worse. <laughs> but sure. in this kind yeah. of yeah. this iteration, uh, you know, in the first movie, I mean, he's outstanding. He got like an Oscar nomination for this role, so. I, and, like, I mean, obviously, at this time, what we know about Johnny Depp kind of puts a shadow on, like, the excitement yes. um, that was there. But for me, I, I didn't know much about Johnny Depp. And I think when the movie came out, I went through, like, so many different ways. I was like, oh, who's this, like, new and up-and-coming 25-year-old actor? Okay, who is, you know, like, didn't know. And then I was like, no, this is a 40-year-old man, and he's been working in Hollywood. Like, you know, obviously, like, it was like, I I don't know if people have this moment um, when they were young, when they're like, who's that young person? They find out they're significantly older than what they thought. Um, And so, like, he was an actor who I knew nothing about at the time, but after this film, I went back and watched a lot of his movies and I became a huge fan of mm. his, especially during the like mid two thousands. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's like an amazing actor. Um, and obviously this is a big blockbuster film. 
Um, but he's done a lot of like really interesting independent films and smaller films that I really like as well. So yeah, yeah his, his career was very interesting. Um, Matthew McConaughey, I don't remember where he would have been at exactly in his but career, this... but it just feels mm. weird. I'm just kind of thinking like... around this time, did he do How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, the rom-com with Kate oh. Hudson? I think it was. You're probably right, because it was probably early 2000s that that came yeah. out. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days came out in 2003. Yeah, so. Around the same time. So, yeah. So he... That was when he was super hot as well. He was super hot in that film. That was a big moment, I think, in Matthew McConaughey's career. Yeah. So, it does make sense, I guess, why he would be considered. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can't see him as Captain Jack Sparrow at all so no so they definitely made the no. right casting choice with johnny depp um irregardless mm-hmm. of what the the person that he has now become um which yes. i don't yeah. i don't really want to go into in in kind of great deal just because this is obviously sure. about the movie um but yeah i i'm not keen on him now um and yeah. obviously we've got um orlando bloom as will turner um and apparently uh he only really got the role because of lord of the rings um which he'd obviously shot prior to this uh but also i read that heath ledger was up for this part but they chose orlando bloom because of lord of the rings um i i read that as well that gore verbinski the director of this film um it was up to Heath Ledger and Orlando Bloom and they felt that Orlando Bloom was more bankable mm-hmm. because of his Lord of the Rings uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, I, that I think if they had changed the role, I, I, I would be very interested to see Heath Ledger. In yeah. That. I think Orlando Bloom, I'm sure we'll get to performances later, but I think Orlando Bloom is fine. Yeah. Um, and this, but I think that his character is the least exciting. So he, it's just, even when they try to make him exciting, it's like, uh, whatever. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. No, I totally you know, by agree. The time, by the time they try to do it, you're like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wonder if Heath Ledger would have been able to bring more there because the role isn't that um, exciting for anyone, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, I really like Orlando Bloom in Lord of the Rings. And also, interestingly, when I watched it this time round, um, I actually caught a glimpse of the tattoo, the Lord of the Rings tattoo, because it's on his wrist. Oh, And you, okay. you see it um, in the sword fight scene in the... Um, yeah, uh, him and Jack Sparrow. Yeah, I can't remember where, they're ac- where they are exactly. Um, the black It's like a blacksmith, isn't it? So they're, they're in like Yeah, the, yeah, the, where he makes his swords and yeah, everything. Yeah, and when they're kind of fighting there's there's like a shot of of him kind of going to stab him with a sword and you can see on his wrist this tattoo which oh, is it looks okay, like an cool. elvish tattoo um, yeah, and then i yeah. read after that that was actually the tattoo that they got um after they filmed lord of the rings because famously they all went and got a tattoo because it was such like oh. a long production and um and all of that and i i like him in lord of the rings mm-hmm. i th- i agree with you that i think even if he was like the greatest actor in the world, there's not really much to go on. Um, so I kind of yeah. feel like because Heath Ledger for me is a much better actor um, than Orlando yeah. Bloom, but I think even someone like Heath Ledger might struggle a little bit because the character of Will is kind of integral to the the plot of the movie, but otherwise he doesn't really kind of do much. So 
Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of... I remember I kind of liked him a lot because he looks really good and he does look really nice. So obviously, mm. like, teenage me was all like, oh, my God, Orlando Bloom's the hottest. Um, because, yeah. you know, he is really hot. But watching it now, you have a lot more appreciation for some of the other actors because the likes of, like, Johnny Depp and i mentioned him in a bit, Jeffrey Rush. I mean, they are outstanding. And they're yeah, given absolutely. so much sort of quality material to work with. And then you've got poor Orlando Bloom, who's kind of in the background going, hello, I'm really pretty, look at me. Um, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. But to be honest, one person who does really impress me in this movie is the next person I want to talk about because I want to talk about Kira Knightley. She is so freaking amazing in this She's movie. She's so wonderful. And... And like I didn't realize because I was I was looking over some trivia too, and they're like, "Oh, Kira Knightley was 17 when the movie yeah. came out," and I was like, "What?" I was just like, "I'm first off, Kira Knightley today still looks the same," so I was shocked by that. And then two, I was like, "Wait, she was only 17 years yeah. old at the peak of this film, like this huge, huge film, and she was 17." I just was so shocked by that. I know, because she she kind of has this maturity that kind mm. of belies the uh, the fact that she was 17 years old because I read that her mother had to be present on set because she was so young. And you're like, yeah. this is essentially a teenage girl, but she's, and we know that she's obviously acting as an 18-year-old because we know that canonically Elizabeth is 18, but but still, you know, yeah. she's she's a young girl, well, young woman, essentially, Mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. she does so well in this movie especially when you look that yeah. she's pitted up against people like johnny depp i remember enjoying her performance sort of when i watched it originally because you know she's obviously the the female presence and i'm always quite interested to look at the female presence sort of in these sorts of movies like what do they do um how do they yeah. act but re-watching it now I, I kind of felt a little bit that she had the Evie from the mummy kind of vibes going on because just of how kind of smart she is and fearless and that she doesn't kind of wait to be saved. She does what she needs to do in that point Mm -hmm. in time. And yeah, the fact she's 17 is just like, oh my God, when I was 17, like, what was I doing with my life? (laughs) I mean, just as just the performance that she's giving is so like... I don't have really any critiques where I'm like, oh, that was weird or whatever. I think she just does an amazing job um, as Elizabeth Swan. And I I just, when I was watching, I was just like, I want to see, I, I mean, I haven't seen Kira Knightley in any movies recently, but I was like, can she be in another movie like this? Like, yeah, like, this was awesome. She got so much to do. It was really exciting to watch her in mm, this. It really was. Um, I mean, we can obviously talk about sort of Elizabeth's, character choices a bit later because i think elizabeth as a character i think is is really great um but i want to talk a little bit about jeffrey rush um who obviously plays captain Mm. barbosa who i think it's quite easy when you're kind of the main antagonist of a movie it's quite easy to kind of give a a bit of a flat performance and i think this is one place where kind of marvel movies are kind of let down because they're always let down by the bad guys because you know they're always like well I want to destroy the universe. And you're like, yeah, but why though? And they're like, yeah, but because yeah, I'm evil, yeah. you know? And and obviously Captain Barbosa is a bad guy. You know, he is the antagonist of the movie, but he's also really kind of 
interesting and you know they really delve into his character and about I mean he did some really great monologues about the curse and about the fact that you know you can never quench your thirst and that the number Um, of that moment I'm sorry that is my favorite freaking moment so like okay I'm trying to not get too (laughs) Um, like when when he is describing like the curse and saying like you can never you're you're thirsty but you can never quench that thirst uh you know just just the emptiness of not being able to actually be alive yeah. it's so for me again as uh, you know a young teenager seeing the movie for the first time i remember this being like a huge cinematic experience for me because i had never seen like uh like lines delivered like that like i i feel like the lines like the script for this movie is so good because the lines are really good Mm. and maybe i just haven't exposed myself to more things but like the way that he like he says everything is so like oh my god it's like haunting it's scary but it's also like oh i understand exactly what he's describing it's very descriptive language that they're using um that is also something that i think all ages can understand so even though i was um 13 i i understood what he was saying and i'm sure as an adult people can get what he was saying as well um but yeah no i think he gives an amazing performance and that scene specifically uh the you best start believing ghost stories that that moment is like a huge moment for me as far as like when i think about my favorite like cinematic moments Yeah, it's um, and I think Jeffrey Rush is is such an inspired choice for that particular mm. role. I guess I'm kind of of the opinion that I kind of feel like with this movie, Johnny Depp gets a lot of the commendation for it, and everyone's always like, "Well, Johnny Depp is so good," and Johnny Depp got an Oscar nomination, and Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, and it's like, yeah, Johnny yeah. Depp is great, and I'm not taking anything away from his performance because it is so good in this film. It's it's. It's one of the best performances I think he's ever given as an actor. But then, you know, yeah. it's kind of a feel like Jeffrey Rush has been overshadowed a little bit because he's not Johnny Depp. And this is obviously Johnny Depp's sort of star vehicle. And it kind of has been sort of ever since. He's always kind of gone back to parts of the Caribbean again and again and again. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like with Jeffrey Rush if you look at Jeffrey Rush without obviously all of this pirate makeup, just as normal Jeffrey Rush, he looks like such a sort of kindly man. You expect him to be so kind and, and for him to sort of give a performance like this and, and look so, so menacing because he really does menacing quite well, but also he does charming really well. Like he can, he can be friendly and charming and then he just like turns and he's a pirate. Mm, mm. And it's like, that's obviously something that, Johnny Depp can't do because ultimately he's out for himself throughout this whole movie, but he's never evil, you know, he never kind of switches to really evil. But yeah, yeah. Captain Barbosa is the bad guy, but the, he can he can switch kind of so seamlessly between these different characters of, of who Barbosa is and um I mean he he's just he's phenomenal in this film and I, I kinda of wish that people gave him more credit and I wish people gave Kieran Knightley more credit as well. Absolutely. I, I think, I, I truly think if more people rewatch this movie today, they would come with the same conclusion mm. because I think it was easy to get swept up in the Johnny Depp thing, especially at the time of this film, because 
it was like, whoa, this for me, I was like this new actor. But I'm sure for a lot of other people, they were like, oh, this actor who we didn't expect to be in a huge commercial box office film is actually really delivering. Also, he's playing kind of like the bad boy. He's attractive and it's like this mysterious element there. Is he good? Is he bad? Oh, he's saying he's going to do one thing, but we see him whispering to another. You know, he has a lot of opportunities to kind of be mysterious that I understand why when people initially saw the film, they were like, man, Jack Sparrow, it's so it's such an interesting character. But overall, I think, like you said, Jeffrey Rush and Keira Knightley, they are both giving amazing performances as well. Uh, that I think when other people watch it today, they will leave that conclusion. Yeah, I hope so, because I hope that from listening to this podcast, someone might, you know, look on their DVD shelf or... I mean, to be honest, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere because I didn't check. Uh, Normally I do. It Um, it wasn't streaming for me. I I rented it. I didn't see it streaming anywhere. But I'm sure in a few months, once Disney has their streaming thing, it'll be streaming there. Yeah, and you could probably get all the Pirates movies there if uh, (laughs) if you want to. But um, yeah, yeah, I definitely (laughs) recommend this one over the the others. Um, And just kind of rounding out, I don't, don't really think we need to say too much about them, but... We've obviously got Jonathan mm-hmm. Price, who's a Governor Swan, um, Elizabeth Swan's father. Um, I will mention mm-hmm. him a bit later because I think he's got some really good scenes with um, Elizabeth. And yeah. there's Jack Davenport, who plays Commodore Norrington, who's yes. kind of a bit of a, a side character. Um, yeah, he's... But I think he's doing a good job, Yeah, too. no, he, he is. He's basically supposed to be, like, the downer, mm. right? Like, like as like when we first intro- are introduced to him, we're like okay yeah pirates are bad and then you get to fall in love with jack sparrow and you're like oh leave him alone you know like but he's he's kind of rightfully like well we need to protect ourselves because pirates are stealing stuff from us and blah 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 but um you kind of don't really want to root for him even though you understand why he's against pirates so yeah it's, it's interesting i think he does a great job at it even though, like, he's not the most fun, I he, it's understandable why he's like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also just want to quickly kind of, because we have kind of discussed this briefly when we were talking about, obviously, doing the episode. We talked a little bit about the chemistry um, between mm-hmm. the actors because I think we're both kind of in agreement that um, chemistry-wise, there are certain people that have really great chemistry um in this film like intense sexual chemistry yeah like <laughs> like really really serious intense sexual chemistry and i'm i'm kind yeah. of talking about um jack and elizabeth <laughs> yeah and considering yeah. he's 22 years her senior as well and she's only 17 when they're filming yes i mean yes Considering she's, I mean, she had been in stuff the year before. She'd been in um, a great British film. I don't know if you know it called Bend It Like Beckham. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. saw that. I, I remember really. Yeah, enjoying it's that. a really fun film, and she was in that the year before. Um, and she, mm. I think she'd been in Star Wars, um, The Phantom Menace, a few years when prior. she was younger. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but so yeah. she had done some bits and pieces, but she was technically kind of re- relatively new um, at that point. And the fact that they do have this. You know, when the the scene specifically is, is obviously the scene where he's just rescued her and, you know, they obviously go to arrest him and, and she stands up for him and um, and he then, mm-hmm. obviously, because he's bound, he then kind of grabs her from behind and his binds around her neck. And, yeah. yeah, and then obviously he kind of says to her, oh, you know, give me, 
you know, put my belt on. And um, yeah, specifically that scene, I think is is very sexually charged. That scene is super sexy. And it's like, really like, what is, I at 13, didn't register for me at all. I was just like, okay, yeah, she's like annoyed with him. Obviously now as an adult, I'm like, this is, there's so much sexual tension between yeah. them. Um, and I was, I was surprised while rewatching. I was like, this is a Disney film. Um, Mm. I can't believe that this, you know, like I was just shocked by that. Yeah. There's quite a lot Um, of moments during this film where I'm like, this is a Disney film and they're like stabbing people. (laughs) And it's like, I think I read that technically this was their first PG 13 film, um, that was officially like a Walt Disney film. I guess technically they had some other releases like through Touchstone. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff, stuff through Touchstone. Like they did Who Framed Roger Rabbit through yeah. Touchstone. Yeah, so so technically it's the first one, but whatever. But I just was, when I was watching this movie, I was like, I don't think Disney would do a movie like this today. Like, it, like yeah. I know there's conversations about them rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean. Please no. Um, <laughs> Just no. I, yeah, no. I I think they're absolutely doing oh. it. I think it's going to be no Johnny Depp. Like they're just starting from scratch. Like starting. Well, over. at least they're not getting Johnny um, Depp involved. I think that's part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah, I think they're kind of like, well, we have this huge franchise that like makes so much money, but we have a problematic actor who's like the star mm. of all these films. So what do we do? And I think they're just like, uh, let's start over. You yeah. know, um, but. My point is, like, I'm very curious if and when they actually do reboot this, if they would include scenes like this that are, like, so charged. <laughs> like, I know if someone is just listening to this and has not seen the movie or whatever, like, we're describing Elizabeth Swan put on his, like, hat and belt and stuff like Cause that. Because he even makes a comment, but doesn't he, about, uh, what does he say? He says something like... Um, I, mind... I feel like he says like "whoa there" or "watch out" or, or like... something when she's around his like yeah, like mind the jewels dance. or something something weird like that. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. exactly, but it's yeah, it's it's there's a, a very much an innuendo there. And he and he's smirking and looking at her and looking like he's like enjoying yeah. it, like and so there's there's that element too, and she's upset, but it also seems like throughout the film she is not not just sexually excited but she's just excited by the world of pirates exactly yeah that that's that's an interest for her that she finds it even i think later um when uh i guess her maid is talking to her and she reveals i forget how they say it but she was like oh that must have been a really interesting uh moment and she's like oh yeah when norrington proposed to me and she's like no i meant when you were abducted by the pirates <laughs> yeah. you know like like when you almost died remember that? she's like oh yeah that moment it was terrifying but obviously you know that she really enjoyed yeah. that moment and i think you know the sexual tension between her there's another moment later on with her and jack sparrow um that i think i think it's part of because she also just likes that world and is excited yeah by it. yeah definitely um, but yeah i i just am very curious going forward disney has seemed to come up with a formula and really wants their stuff to be watched by all age groups. And I just don't know if they were going to release another PG-13 film like this again. Mm. I, I imagine if they do reboot this film, it's not going to be PG-13. Which... I can't imagine. I can't yeah, see that. I, kinda, I am in agreement with you because I do feel like 
Disney always wants to be this kind of family friendly it has this kind of mantra of family friendly and and in the past um they just used um touchstone to to kind of release the the things that maybe mm-hmm, weren't completely mm-hmm. for children and i've always kind of felt that obviously with disney making so many acquisitions like obviously it, it took over uh, pixar it took over marvel studios and then it's it's took took over lucasfilm and it, mm-hmm. it obviously has this vision of well first of all we want to be the biggest entertainment um creator in the world and and you seriously achieve that because you li- oh oh and obviously they took over fox um as well which is yes, which is a completely yeah, different yeah. beast in its entirety um but you know they obviously have this vision of, of being the biggest whether that sort of translates into them being the best um is is questionable um because i kind of feel like with the acquisition of fox especially because fox is more of a risk taker and the franchises that fox have have recently dealt with the likes of deadpool for example is not really disney friendly i can't Mm -hmm. see them Mm -hmm. ever sort of taking a character like deadpool and integrating it um into the current like roster of marvel studios unless they sort of filter deadpool down which would really affect the character of deadpool to its detriment um but then obviously they're they're talking a lot about disney plus and i know that they also acquired hulu yeah they they have a majority stake i believe in hulu and i think overall yes it's now theirs so like i i I think it's uh, yeah you're right i think some of their programming is also going to be like yeah i mean i kind of foresee disney plus being like the family friendly i use that inverted commas material and then mm-hmm. they're going to use hulu for sort of the other stuff that's maybe a bit more adult oriented because when i look at like um the, the marvel studios netflix shows i know jessica jones season three just premiered um mm-hmm. like and for example you'd never see a character like jessica jones on you know uh, a disney owned uh marvel film yeah. because it's just too intense. The 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 things that they talk about in Jessica Jones is too intense and too adult. And exactly the same for yeah. you know the other characters like Daredevil, who I hope will find a home at some point somewhere. Yeah. I have I have a feeling they're just going to redo it, which is so sad. It's like everything. It's so sad. It's Daredevil is so good. Yeah, it was really good. I thought the last season was like really oh really God, good. I was, was so excited. I was like, wow, great season. And then they're like canceled, yeah. and I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I I really hope that they don't go down the route of watering something like this down because the reason why it's such a fun movie is because kids can enjoy it but adults can obviously get, you know, the in jokes and and that sort of thing as well and it's it's kind of cross generational. And I also think yeah. that's where kind of things like Toy Story do really well is that both adults and children can enjoy it. Um mm. and I know, obviously, Toy Story does it in a way that is accessible to all. Like, it's obviously, you're never going to see a PG-13 Toy Story movie. But, yeah, but yeah. with something like this, when you're talking about pirates, who, as as characters, essentially, they they steal, they plunder, you know. They are not characters for children, essentially. They've kind of made it as child-friendly as possible with this movie. But, 
Yeah, they and I and I imagine if you were like six and you saw this movie, it would be scary for you, obviously, because there are moments that are really intense that I, I, I do agree with the rating. Maybe like a young, young child shouldn't see this. But like overall, I I liked the things they did in this that made it PG-13, mm-hmm. like specifically like some of the violent moments like there's a lot of stabbing and like you see the red blood mm-hmm. on like a lot of things which now with like something like Endgame or any of the Avengers films when someone is shot I don't really even think you see blood no or they I don't I don't I don't think they show any blood like it's implied like oh okay they were shot so there's they're probably bleeding but you don't really see anything like that and I think it's important when you're telling a story especially like Pirates of the Caribbean with like you're trying to establish like this is a violent gross world these pirates live in they're all killing each other or backstabbing each other and shooting each other and blah 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 so there's blood there's that one pirate who has the wooden eye (laughs) and is always constantly like taking it out and that's gross but it's like yeah pirates are yeah they are you know like yeah like the hygiene of a pirate probably wouldn't be the best like so i i really enjoyed that i feel like the rating was necessary for this story that they were telling. Mm. And I, I, again, throughout the film, I was just so surprised. I, I kept remembering, like, this is a Disney film. This is crazy. Yeah. Like, I just can't imagine that in 2019 mm. being a Disney film. It feels like it's so frustrating, though, because if they are going to reboot something, you want them to at least make it to the same level as the original. Ideally, you want it to be better. I agree. Um, but yeah. at least to the same level. And it would be really disappointing if they made it you know pg and they took all of these kind of elements out because they're the elements that kind of make it really fun and it is a spooky story you know it's it's about pirates with a curse so of course it's going to be a bit spooky and have spooky scenes in it and it really i think i find the spooky scenes that are they're still really effective they're still really tense and spooky um so i would hope that they would do the right thing but this is disney so you're probably right sometimes (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I get negative on things like this because I think Disney at this point, I think they're still trying to tell like an artistic story. But lately, I feel like they also are trying to make Mm -hmm. money more and that's their main concern. And I remember reading in the trivia for this film that I don't believe it was in China because they don't do ghosts. Like if your movie has ghosts, you're not it's just not going to air or be played in Mm. China. And China now has become such a big element in like profit for films that I just have a feeling like if they were to reboot this story, they're going to be like, well, let's get rid of the ghost. Maybe they'll have a different curse. Yeah. Because we we, we need it to play in China. You know, like I just, I just have a feeling that if and when they do change the story or if they have a story in the future that's similar, I think they're going to make sure to not. Uh, that that it has to be included everywhere because they want to make as much money. Yeah. That and and that sounds bad because I'm obviously implying that they're not thinking about the artistic um, element to it. But I I really just get this feeling from Disney that their main concern is money, mm. and then they're like, oh, we want people to like stuff, obviously. But it's like you want them to like it so that they pay for yeah. it, <laughs> so you make more money. Yeah. You know? No, I I, th- um, I think so, you're absolutely yeah. right, and and I think that sometimes a movie is great. And it does make a lot of money, you know. Endgame, I think, was, was great. It made yeah. a lot of money. And essentially, you know, Disney is like any other corporation in the world, but it, it ultimately it wants to make as much money as possible. And and I think that sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy to forget that when you 
are a lover of of movies and you enjoy quality content um and then you realize that you know so many movies that flop at the box office because i've i've looked into quite a few because i i like to cover i like to sort of i want to cover movies that have flopped and obviously titan ae was one of the biggest flops of all time and yeah it's such a great movie mm. and then you're like but why did it flop why didn't why didn't it make this money you know it, it should have done um but ultimately you know no one wants what happened to fox animation studios to happen to their studio so ultimately they are yeah. they are going to try and, and make as much money as possible and i agree with you on on the whole china thing i think china's become such an important release country for a lot of movies yeah i i noticed yeah. recently and I, it's become like a very i don't know if it's a really recent thing um but i've noticed that a lot of movies now are sort of co-financed by um chinese companies and obviously a lot of movies are now set in china um to obviously yeah, help the yeah. the chinese appeal uh because china's such a massive market and i think it is important to have that accessibility but obviously the chinese do have very strict rules like you said so yeah and that that's where it becomes an issue if you do want to tell a ghost story or yeah. something that's like ghost adjacent yeah. you know it gets a little difficult mm. you know it really does um just sort of back on the chemistry because i just wanted to kind of mention that obviously we mentioned like jack and elizabeth but obviously additionally jack and barbosa i think have really good chemistry as well that they, they kind of yeah, spar off yeah. each other really well and and barbosa doesn't trust jack but he also kind of does trust jack as well and they obviously yeah. have this history because barbosa backstabbed him and and led a mutiny against him and and so Jack is obviously a little bit pissed uh, still. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, I think that they, those two actors really work well together as well. And additionally, I know like we kind of mentioned Orlando Bloom, but I think that Jack and Will do have some quite good chemistry as well together. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's really the, the main kind of issue for me is when you kind of have Will and Elizabeth together because this is kind of the big romance of the film and we want we basically need to believe that she would choose him over Commodore Norrington which isn't the most difficult thing to kind of imagine because Norrington isn't really built up as anything other than the lawful good guy who obviously saw this child on the ship and now he's madly in love with her which is a bit weird yeah that <laughs> Which, again, is another thing I don't think Disney would do. Like, literally, this man, this grown, grown person knew her as a child. Yeah. And then, literally, she's barely an adult, and he's talking about marrying her. Which is probably realistic to that era, of course. Yeah, probably. And I, I, I think it's a good element of the film. But I just feel like Disney today would be like, uh -huh, no, 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 this is probably It is like, super creepy. You know, like... <laughs> Like, I feel like they'd be like, no, we can't do that. But, yeah, I think also the thing that keeps uh, Elizabeth Swan away from Norrington is that he so aggressively hates pirates, right? Yeah. And she is so fascinated by it and interested in it that it would never work because she clearly wants that adventurous type of lifestyle. Yeah. And he does not. Um, and, yeah, to speak on the chemistry between um, Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley – you know, it's hard because I really feel like I understand why Keira Knightley seemed intrigued or I'm sorry, Elizabeth Swan seemed intrigued by uh, Will Turner because she knows that he's 
either a pirate or is connected to pirates yeah. because when they found him, she he had the necklace, right? Um, and so she probably has always had some attraction to him to just learn more about him, but he has become this like straight laced, maybe kind of boring person. And yeah, I wish they would have shown that maybe he wasn't as like <laughs> a goody two shoes. <laughs> Cause like, it is kind of like, what is she attracted yeah. to at the beginning of him? Like, like he, he is attractive, but like, what is their connection there? Why, why would she be into him unless he was still kind of being a little bit rebellious or was embracing that? Because it seems like Will Turner's struggle throughout the film is that he knows something about he had a pirate necklace and he wasn't like a baby. So he knew something. Yeah. Right. But it seems like he was trying to reject it. Like, absolutely not. It's not me. It's not part of my life. No. And then obviously at the end, he's maybe coming to terms with the fact that he, that is his life and his father was a pirate and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know the chemistry. I, I thought when they were, had to be like lovey dovey, like look at each other and stuff. I thought that was okay, but it's just jarring when you see the white hot chemistry of her with Jack Sparrow. Yeah. And it, w- when you see it, like, next to each other, like, well, why isn't she with Jack Sparrow? Like, <laughs> I know. That's who, you know. Well, that's like, who she's that's attracted who she, to. She's attracted to the pirate. Yeah, that's who she wants to be yeah. with. And he is not that, you know. Like, so it is It is a little bit of, I won't say entirely a misstep, but I think you. I, I think when you're making this film, you probably didn't realize, like, how connected Elizabeth Swan and Jack Sparrow would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other thing that kind of sticks in my mind is is there's a scene at the start where uh, Will Turner brings uh, the sword over to um, Governor Swan's house to obviously, it's the sword that they're going to give to uh, Commodore Norrington. And um, mm-hmm. and obviously Elizabeth sees him and she's really happy to see him, but then kind of she gets rebuffed by him a little bit. Um, and, yeah, and her father he keeps calling her Miss Yeah, Swan. and her father says, you know, well, at least the boy has a sense of propriety or something like that. So it's it's clear from that that obviously Will Turner has grown up. He's become like a blacksmith's apprentice, and he's kind of obviously honed his blacksmith skills and makes all these amazing swords and weapons and stuff. But then you're like, but but what else has he actually done? Like other than just be a really good citizen and loved elizabeth from a from afar like what yeah it, it yeah. seems like his whole journey was i'm not a pirate i'm gonna be the best uh upright you know like basic person yeah. you know like it seems like that's his main thing and she seems to find it a little bit irritating but also we're supposed to believe that she's also in love with him so yeah that that's a bit of a doesn't a hundred percent work but i'm okay with it because they're they're fine together mm. Yeah, um, I think obviously you mentioned earlier that the the movie was directed by Gore Verbinski. Um, I just kind of wanted to um, obviously go through the people it was written by. It was written by uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio um, and additional writing by Stuart Beattie and Jay Wolpert. The score, which we do need to talk about because it's amazing score, was by Klaus Bedelt and Hans Zimmer. And I thought it was quite interesting that some additional music was done by Ramin Jawadi, who uh, does the Game of Thrones music. Oh, interesting. And, okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite interesting because 
Game of Thrones, that that sort of theme song is is so iconic. Yeah, the theme song is iconic. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, the fact he was. Um, involved in this um kind of speaks volumes a little bit um but he didn't do the majority of the score that was kind of it i think it's mainly kind of seen as a hans zimmer score um and when we talk about pirates of the caribbean obviously the reason this movie came about was because it was a ride at disneyland um and the ride um opened in 1967 and interestingly it was the last ride that was actually overseen by walt disney himself before he passed away oh so the ride has since been enhanced with bits from the movies like i think they they added like animatronic jack sparrows and yeah yeah um so i was gonna ask if you've been on the ride before um because me personally, I've only been on the ride after the films have come out. So I have only seen the version of the Jack Sparrow version of the yeah. ride, which is a whole bunch of Jack Sparrows throughout yeah. uh, the film. Do you know, I've been to Disneyland in California and I've also been to Walt Disney World in Florida. So I went to Disneyland mm-hmm. in 2010 and I went to Walt Disney World in Florida in 2013. And I was trying to figure out okay. which park i went on the ride and i think it was disneyland in california in 2010 um and because okay. i do recall all of the jack sparrows <laughs> and they yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and i also remember because i don't really like scary rides so i, I do recall mm. having my eyes closed for a portion of it which is oh really ridiculous actually and i'm embarrassed <laughs> to admit that that happened um but yeah i i did go on it but obviously it was after the movie yeah, came out because i didn't yeah. i didn't visit the parks at any point before then so um so yeah i don't yeah. know what it was like before yeah when i was a child like when i was three i went to disneyland but i don't remember anything about it so i don't even know if i went on the ride at that point but so when the movie came out and everyone's like oh like the ride i was like what are you talking about like i just i didn't know the connection to the ride and obviously the ride, I think, even before the whole Johnny Depp element was added, I don't think had a very uh, big narrative no. throughout it. So the film is, I guess, inspired by the ride, but I don't think a lot of the story is connected in any way beyond just the ride. Yeah, like, okay, the ride was a starting point and then they went with it. Yeah, the fact that they made essentially a whole movie franchise on a ride is is quite phenomenal just in itself <laughs> you know mm-hmm, not not mm-hmm. to mention that the the whole kind of pirate genre in movies is it was basically box office poison at this point because the the, the yeah. kind of last time they tried to do a, a big pirate movie was actually a movie that i'm very fond of which is cutthroat island and oh i've never seen that. it's it's really fun it's uh, gina davis and matthew modine it was a massive flop because it costs so much money, essentially, is, is the reason why it flopped. I've got it on my list to cover. I'm not going to cover it anytime soon because I try and... I'm not going to cover a pirate movie and then another pirate movie like two episodes sure. later because that would be ridiculous. But, yeah, yeah. But it's such good fun. The fact that not only is this based on a ride, but it's also based on a, a genre film that is essentially, at this time, dead in the water is... It's quite phenomenal mm-hmm. that they pulled it off and they did it so well. Like, it's like lightning in a bottle. All of yeah. these elements coming together and even if they reboot it, they're never going to match all of, like, you know, the cast and the locations and the story and, you know, the yeah. elements of the story and and all of that. It's, it's never going to kind of happen 
again um and that that's quite impressive and outstanding and that's why i find this movie so fascinating is is by all accounts it should have failed really spectacularly and it didn't <laughs> yeah so yeah that was something that i didn't look into exactly how much it would be like in 2019 money no i but didn't at least either in 2003 i think it was like 140 million dollars to make yeah. which is kind um, of not very much I mean, even then. I mean, for a for a blockbuster film, at least it sounds like okay. I don't know what that would be today if that would be like significantly more, but it just felt like like when I mentioned earlier when I was like, man, rewatching this film really like made me miss movies like this. And I guess what I'm thinking is like this is obviously a big budget, like superstars, um, like big glossy film right and i think it came out during the summer so it's expected to be a summer blockbuster movie um but the i'm trying to say like the stakes of it are very i don't want to say low but like are very like intimate to the specific characters Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like the whole issue is they're cursed and they don't want to be cursed anymore and elizabeth swan has the necklace that will help them become uncursed but i feel like movies today that are big blockbuster films are like it's the end of the world (laughs) yeah (laughs) um every single person's gonna die unless these people get the box that's glowing or whatever or these superheroes that do this thing or whatever that save the world and i think i'm not trying to say i don't like those films because obviously i enjoy them but it just feels like today every film is yeah like, like the stakes every... always have to be higher every single time like yeah and it it just felt so refreshing to watch this movie again where it was like you know definitely tense you're worried about elizabeth swan because they think they need to take her blood you know to take their curse so you're like oh my gosh what's gonna happen but otherwise it's like this is so exciting it's like it's just a different feeling it's not so dreadful um versus these other blockbuster films i think that we're so used to today that are so all about like the end of the world or the society is going to crumble or whatever that it just sometimes even though those films are fun because they are relying on like your emotional connection to i don't know wanting to be alive (laughs) (laughs) like you know they could be a little bit dreadful like they could be a little bit sad and this was just more of like, yeah, gold coins. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the the new reboot's probably going to be like, oh, the pirates have to save the world from extinction of the other pirates who've got yeah, a special like trinket. Yeah, like the world is that, about yeah. to explode. But who, who would know? The only people who could save the world are pirates. What? <laughs> like, it's probably going to be something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I hope not. But, uh, yeah, it does feel like most movies are like that, where it's like, oh, my gosh, this one big thing's about to happen. And this one character is the only person who could save yeah. the day. And also, and, that character yeah. doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't swear, doesn't have no. any sexual contact with any other person, <laughs> doesn't draw blood. <laughs> And, like, that's the other thing. Like, when he's, when Jack Sparrow's, like, drinking uh, so much, I was just like, again, this is a Disney film. Like, he is drinking, and and I guess it could be used for humor, you know, like, how much he's drinking. But, like, it was also kind of dark when they were stranded on that island. Mm. And he kind of just thought, like, well, this is the end, you know, so let's just get drunk. (laughs) 
and you know like let's just do this you know um and i was like wow yeah this is like what would happen but i don't know if disney would really embrace that today mm. who knows yeah but. yeah not really sure um but yeah um interestingly um i don't know if you know it was they actually they contemplated doing like it as director video movie i did read yeah. that which is crazy to think of i mean when i think of director video i think of like lady and the tramp 2 or you know cinderella 2 yeah you know. yeah disney disney has a lot of those like direct to yeah. video um movies which i think now they're gonna kind of start up again with their streaming service yeah. um so yeah no i so that is a thing but i just can't even imagine this as a direct to video no. movie no and um the casting choices for that direct video were Carrie Elwes, who was um, Wesley in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Who, as, mm-hmm. This is as Captain Jack, um, so I can't see him doing it. Actually, a, no. a really fun choice, and I don't know if you know who this is. It's a, a British actor who sadly passed away a few years ago, uh, a guy called Rick Mayle. Um, no, I don't know who that he's is. He's very, very eccentric comedian. He has basically done quite a lot of... Um, iconic sort of british comedy he did like comedy called the young ones mm. and um he did um uh, he actually did star in a in a movie uh, um, a movie called drop dead fred oh no i haven't seen that either it's, it's gross it's completely gross it's got um phoebe <laughs> cates who obviously was big in like the 80s yeah yeah she's she's in drop dead fred and rick mayle plays fred who's basically her childhood imaginary friend who kind oh, of comes okay. back to life in her adulthood i can see him do a version of captain jack but it would be nothing like johnny depp he he had a very specific it was a very british sense of humor which maybe wouldn't translate well to a, like an international audience and um christopher walken was the other name that was kind of mooted yeah that's the one i'm like no <laughs> like christopher like like because i i did come across this uh piece of trivia as well and that i'm like i cannot see that i think i also saw maybe not for the direct to video but at one point robert de niro was considered Mm. and he said no but then later on he made sure to play like a pirate in another movie like a few years later because he was like man i missed the opportunity i missed the pirate opportunity when it came did you see him in stardust that that's the movie he took. Yeah. No, I, I I never saw oh, Stardust. Is... I don't know if he's gonna. I highly recommend that movie. It's based on a Neil Gaiman book. Obviously, Neil Gaiman's kind of in the public kind of the, at the moment because of his uh, collaboration with Terry Pratchett. Good Omens is out right now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Stardust is one of Neil Gaiman's kind of earlier works, and it's such a wonderful. It's like a fairy tale. It's like. It sounds like Robert De Niro is like, yeah, I'm not missing this pirate money again. He's so good. He's so good. I, in yeah, that film. so that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely recommend you see that. Uh, I've forgotten where we were. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about Pirates uh, of the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, filming wise, um, it's obviously primarily filmed in like practical locations, which is I think why the movie looks so great because it's obviously mm-hmm. filmed on real ships um, and on the real water um you know in the ocean um so to speak um but i think the the port royal was a setting california and i know they did some kind of i think they did some green screen stuff but i think it is the minority because it 
the film looks so great because of the practical locations, I think, which were, I think it was St. Vincent and the Dominican Republic um, were the main kind of filming spots. And it's so beautiful. Like, you could just imagine going to an island, you know, like like they're stranded on and like have these beautiful white sandy beaches and crystal clear blue water. And it's, it's so beautiful. It's, yeah. It's astonishingly beautiful. Um, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about the choreography um, because I think the sword fights are particularly good in this film. And it's, I like mm-hmm. sword fights generally. Um, but interestingly, the sword fight choreography was done by a guy called Bob Anderson and he worked on Star okay. Wars. Um, oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay. And, and he doubled as Darth Vader for some of the lightsaber battles. Oh, nice. Um, so there's okay. obviously a bit of a link there. And I just thought the sword fights were really good. And I think the choreography was was excellent. Um, and obviously, we're calling it Pirates of the Caribbean um, because it's a really long title with the Curse of the Black Pearl bit. Um, but they mm. were originally going to call it Pirates of the Caribbean. But then they thought, well, it might have sequels. And they were obviously right. So that's why the whole Curse of the Black Pearl bit was added yeah, on. Yeah, which is such an interesting... Uh tidbit because i remember hearing like because i only noticed sequels or movies recently do the like movie title colon whatever whatever right like that whole titling thing recently and i heard that that's because uh maybe they've done some research that they don't like naming movies like pirates 2 pirates 3 because it apparently according to the research they've done it makes people feel overwhelmed like oh great now i have to watch all these other movies and so the idea is like oh let's name it instead of number it so that people won't feel as overwhelmed but i was like how does that work like it's still it's a lot of movies if you haven't watched it Mm. um but I, i didn't realize that that was an idea even in 2003 i thought that was more of a recent occurrence no like oh we want to have sequels so let's not let's not just call it pirates of the caribbean because we don't want to make the next one pirates of the caribbean 2 let's name it pirates of the caribbean curse of the... like I, I just didn't know that was a thing no to be honest i i always thought it was a bit more of a recent thing but i've always yeah. kind of questioned like like how do they come to the decision of are we going to call it like for example marvel studios is a great example because they've got iron man Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. And you're like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. So is, mm-hmm. is that your naming convention? And they're like, actually, no, because then we're going to bring out Thor, Thor the Dark World, and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yeah. who makes the decision? Like, why why is it not Thor, Thor 2, Thor 3? Or why is it not Iron Man, yeah. Iron Man, even more iron? <laughs> and, and, yeah, and exactly. Iron like, Man, like, super iron, yeah. <laughs> suffering from PTSD. I mean... Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Like, how, how do they make the decision? Because obviously, there's no clear template when you look at something like Marvel Studios because they, they mix and match, and it, it always feels a little bit like, like for example, I can fully imagine them doing, you know. So obviously, they've brought out Black Panther, and then I can imagine the next one is literally just going to be Black Panther two. And that, yeah, that's what I imagine and that makes too. sense yeah. for Black Panther. But then you've got like Captain America and it's not captain america 2 and it's like but how yeah. how do they make the decision it, it i find it very odd like i yeah, don't know i i had no idea so like hearing you explain with the pirates element like it's like oh yeah i guess it would have been a thing early on too like i didn't know that like yeah okay. it's weird like how 
how do they make the decision and like obviously like you say they they go on like what people they think people want but then it's like mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. how how like why are marvel studios doing it differently then is it is it a, a decision that's made by the, the actual director of the movie is it something that kevin feige says well actually i want iron man's you know iron man iron man 2 iron man 3 but i don't want that for thor and like yeah but like, that, that's that specific example is the weirdest because they're so inconsistent so yeah. it really doesn't make any but also sense. Be- you would think they would because the movies yeah. are so linked as well in this yeah, whole yeah. kind of mcu universe which i know that doesn't make sense because i'm essentially repeating universe twice but the the whole kind of they were quite interlinked even in kind of phase one and i mean i don't know whether they were kind of like well because phase one had iron man and iron man 2 and then when it came to phase two they were like well actually we'll carry on with iron man but then we'll do something different for you know captain america and thor and 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 whatever i'm not sure but but yeah i i can't imagine the next black panther movie will be black panther straight out of wakanda or you know i, I mean maybe <laughs> that would be cool i would be like yeah like so i don't know i don't know I don't what know. they're gonna do that, i don't know that just popped into my head i don't even know where that came yeah. from but if they do call it black panther straight out of wakanda then you, you heard yeah. it here first <laughs> yeah yeah they're listening and they're like oh great title. <laughs> <laughs> um so at this point, um, obviously, we've talked quite a lot about certain sort of plot points in the movie, but obviously, I'm I'm mindful of the time, um, so mm-hmm. I kind of feel like going through kind of each plot point might be. I think it might take a little bit too long. Um, just there, this movie itself is two hours and I think twenty something yeah. minutes, so it is a longer movie. Yeah. Um, so going through each thing might, might be a little time consuming. Yeah. So I thought maybe we could just kind of pick out some like favorite sort of plot points kind of, um, sort of going down because obviously I, I, I kind of watched the movie and I, I sent you through sort of my thoughts on different kind of points in the movie and it, and to be fair, it's all bullet pointed and it's quite long <laughs> because oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't do short <laughs> things, obviously. Um, but I kind of wanted to maybe start with the um, sort of Jack's iconic entry into port with the the, the sinking ship. It is such a cool moment and I think such a good character building moment. Because at this point in the film, we haven't heard Jack Sparrow speak. We know nothing about Jack Sparrow. But visually, we can see like he comes in and it looks like, wow, really grand and majestic the the wind is blowing through his hair and then it zooms out and you see that his ship is sinking and you're like okay this is the type of person we're working with you know like he he looks he's carrying himself like really serious and like okay i'm i'm doing well but his boat is literally underwater (laughs) and i i just think that's like okay i i i kind of know what i'm getting into a little bit with jack sparrow and then, of course, like he, I think, salutes the uh, skeletons that are hanging. Mm. Um, and then, so that establishes, like, okay, he's he might be in danger. He's a pirate, and they kill pirates. Um, and then the timing of the boat completely sinking and him stepping foot onto the, the dock um, is, like, perfect and comes off really cool. And it's, like, even before he's said one word, you're, like, is he the coolest character ever? You're just like, you know, like it it just establishes so much in like that 20 seconds 
Um, I, I, I wrote that down in my notes as well, uh, uh, just wanting to discuss it, just because I remember when I saw the film, I was just like, who is Jack Spirit? Like, what? Okay. Yeah. Like, just like, this was really, really cool. I, I don't want to equate this completely to how people feel about, like, you know, when they saw the original Star Wars, because I'm not, I, I like Star Wars, but I'm not nostalgic about it because I didn't see it until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. But seeing this movie, I, I felt like I saw things that I had never seen before or at least never experienced it for me that made me so excited and like excited to watch a movie. And, and I think really I can put this film as being one of the reasons why I started looking into uh, actors filmographies mm. and learning more about film because it was just so exciting and new to me yeah so yeah that that entrance i was just like what like it was it was it just came off so cool and uh such a great way to build his character yeah no i completely agree and i, I kind of feel like i know we talked earlier about uh, a reboot of of the franchise and i kind of feel like mm-hmm. how you know even if you have a completely new character who's not related to Jack Sparrow in any way, how can you top this entrance? Because you can't. Like, yeah. how, how, can you, yeah. how can you introduce a character without saying a single word? Like, he doesn't mention anything. But how do you summarise a character so well and make it humorous and make it slightly serious and give him that swagger and that confidence and and, and, and everything that he kind of protrudes from this scene of you think he's on a ship you know just an, a normal ship yeah and, and then it like yeah. say it pans out and it's sinking and the fact it kind of sinks to the point where he can just glide off onto the onto yeah the it looks like he's floating almost yeah and, yeah. and i'm yeah. like it's, it's this whole lightning in a bottle thing how can you do that again how can you introduce a character so well without saying a single word you can't it's the, yeah. I mean, whoever came up with that idea, whether it yeah. was Johnny Depp or They're whether it was Gore Vubinsky or whoever, to introduce this character. Yeah. But it is a stroke of genius because, it, like you say, it tells yeah. you everything you need to know about Jack Sparrow. Yeah, and then when when the scene continues and it's the guy who like is like, "Hey, you have to pay to dock your ship," and you look and it's like literally underwater. <laughs> like, I need your name and money, and he's like, "Well, how about I give you three times what you're asking me, and you don't ask for my name?" And it's like, "Ooh." mystery like you know like it's just like every step of the way from then on it's like what's his deal like there's so much there's so much to go with his character even like I mean we'll get to our favorite parts and I can mention it then but there's just every time he interacts with someone I feel like you learn something new about him without him having to tell you who he Mm. is right like it's done very effort effortlessly I I feel Mm. I, I also feel as well with a character like Jack Sparrow is that you get a measure of him in this scene, but then because he only does something that kind of services himself in that situation, so he will mm-hmm. be on whatever side is, you know, the right side for him to... It's like a sense of self-preservation um, in that mm-hmm. he will be on the bad side, he'll be on the good side, but whichever side he's on, it will be to continue his his life, essentially. Um, because he's yeah. that sort of guy. Um, and I kind of feel like that obviously comes across more kind of as we kind of spend a bit more time with Jack going forward. But it certainly sets him up as being a a bit of a scoundrel. The fact that yeah. he's like, well, yeah. you don't need my name. They just kind of let him do it because they've got the money and 
that they just call him Mr. Smith, and and then he exactly. and then he just kind of steals the purse at the end Ex- anyway. So. Yes, and so it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I know this person. I, I'm learning more about mm. him. Not only did he not give his information because he's trying to remain mysterious, but now he just straight up is stealing immediately. He just got here and he's already stolen yeah. something. You know, yeah. like yeah. Um. And um, obviously, like I say, I don't want to go through kind of all of the plot points because we've already talked about when he sure. saves Elizabeth, um, who obviously yes. kind of she is feeling faint because she's wearing this stupid dress that her father has kind of made her wear. And um, yeah. she essentially kind of falls into the water and Jack sees and, and rescues her. But he obviously rescues her that he sees this this yeah. girl kind of fall into the water and he's the only one because no one else is willing to to save her. And then. He obviously uh, realizes who she is and that he can get something out of um, the situation. Um, and then, obviously, we talked mm-hmm. about their specific uh, sexual tension earlier in that moment. In, in yeah, that moment, yeah. but obviously, at that point, she's already because she's wearing Will's necklace. Um, she accidentally summons the ship. Um, there's that little blast yes. that kind of goes through the water. Um, and we've yeah. we've talked already about the the choreography between. Um, uh, Jack and Will when they kind of do a little spar but I kind of wanted to focus on um, what I think is actually a really brutal scene I know we've talked about the fact it's a Disney movie um, but when the Black Pearl actually arrives and the the pirates attack Port Royal mm-hmm. it's quite shockingly brutal <laughs> it really is For yeah a kids especially... movie. essentially what is a kids movie um, yeah yeah when they finally arrive to her home Mm. and the i guess the butler doesn't know what's going on outside and he calmly opens the door yeah and we 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 don't see the actual shot but we see her reaction and then we see him on the ground Mm -hmm. it's very jarring yeah uh i think if you're maybe if you're too young to watch it but it is like whoa like okay we're just straight up killing people right like like they they came here to like mess some stuff up and they are not joking around so when um, that moment happened, I remember being like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that for me, at least as a young teenager, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that whole moment, I, I also like that scene to speak of like the choreography or how things are laid out. I also like when she is fighting off uh, one of the pirates with that like heated, I don't know what it would be called, but like. It's on a bedpan, but uh, it has like coal in it. Yeah, it's it's they yeah they used to put like coal in it. And it used to it was like a it was like an old version of like a heated blanket, I think. So they'd put it under the blankets, yes. and I mean, quite dangerous now. Obviously, a bit of a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, but like they, I think they do such a good job because they establish that they're putting it in there. Her her maid is helping mm. her. Uh, that's there, but then she obviously uses it as a weapon very quickly uh later or at least when when they come into her uh room and i just like that moment because she like tries to hit them then he grabs it then she releases the coal and it falls and it all makes sense uh even though that's something that i was not familiar with like i don't know what that thing is um but like the way that they establish it's like oh this this is perfect planning you not only use this thing but you established it beforehand so we could understand what it was Mm. and all that stuff. I, I just really liked that moment. I always find it's really good when movies kind of call back to certain things that are a bit earlier on because often in movies, something's just there. It's like a bit of a MacGuffin. It's like, oh, they've got a magical sword that will 
magically fix this and it's all of a sudden here and it's like but actually if they'd introduced it at the start of the movie it would actually make sense for the magical sword to be there so I kind of like that this movie does that really well it it kind of plants these little seeds of well this is here and that's here and it, it kind of it almost kind of traces it like a bit of a puzzle to kind yeah, of eventually yeah. get there I kind of mentioned in my notes the the whole Ello Poppet line yes is yeah oh it's yeah. it's still so spooky because you just see like his face kind of come into the gap between the doors and yes. it's obviously we know then that she's been captured but it's it's so well done it, it's it's almost like a it's not like a horror movie but it feels the tension is is it, really good it, 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 it... I, I think it is kind of like a horror movie. It is terrifying. You know, if someone came into your home, you would probably try to barricade yourself. And then the moment they see you, you're like, I'm screwed. Mm. This is like, I cannot escape. Great. Uh, you know, like it's, it's terrifying. Mm. Um, it's obviously a bit more comical because they have these kind of like goofy pirates and one has the wooden eye and the other one's just just kind of funny. They have a funny uh, banter between yeah. them. Yeah. But it is really scary. Yeah, because um, they say, don't they, yeah. they were like the gold calls to us. And it's like, then you understand because obviously we know she has the mm -hmm. necklace. The necklace called out to them. And then it's like, yeah. then you understand why they're there because they're following the gold. And in a lot of movies, characters just appear somewhere for no reason. And then you're like, but why yeah. are they? Why are they there? But it makes complete sense because the gold is calling to them. They know exactly where she is. Exactly. And 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 that kind of makes it a bit more frightening in the sense that she literally has nowhere to hide because they will always yeah. find wherever she is. So um, exactly. And even like her wearing the necklace because I think even when I was younger, I was like, why was she even wearing it? But again, I feel like it's just to establish like she is interested in pirates like clearly she's been studying pirates i don't know like she knows about pirate code yeah. like she is she is fascinated by this world so she would wear the necklace because it's something that she finds interesting and more exciting than maybe the life that she's currently living mm. um, yeah i mean so yeah i yeah. i kind of i did make a note that with the whole pirate code like i understand that she she's interested in pirates i i do kind mm. of feel it's a little bit far-fetched that she would know the ins and outs of the pirate code to the degree that like the parlay yeah that, that she would know about yeah. parlay and and that yeah i so for me that kind of felt a little bit like well, I'll, I'll kind of give it a pass because it's it's the only way that she can kind of get out of the Save situation herself. but yeah. yeah i'm not entirely positive that she would ever because it's not obviously she's educated um she's a very wealthy yeah. young woman so she has uh, she will have access to books and stuff like that, but I don't think it would ever be anything, considering piracy is such a crime, that she would ever really have access to. Um, so she would probably just know stories or you know shanty tales or, or something like that. So yeah, I, I'm I'm always I I question that a little bit, but I I would I don't question it in to the degree that I'm like, well, this is completely ridiculous. Like, how does she know? Um, because I, yeah, I yeah. It, it's the only way that the the movie can kind of progress with her. So um, yeah, and and I think I was kind of like, well, Norrington seems to know a lot about pirates. I mean, it's his job to protect where they live, and he has to be educated on that, right? But I kind of felt like, well, whatever he's doing to be knowledgeable about it, maybe she has access to. I don't know. I kind of just gave that. Um, some leeway yeah. i just kind of assumed like okay well maybe she 
she is educated because she has the same access that Norrington has to protect the town. Yeah. At this point, Jack is has been imprisoned, and yeah. um, we find out about the curse because there's that great scene where they kind of their hand kind of leans in, sort of under the moonlight through the bars. Oh and my god, such an so awesome good. scene! Oh my god, <laughs> like because it comes I hope out of nowhere. Are annoyed with me? Yeah, it comes out of nowhere, and again. 29 year old me and 13 year old me was like what like it's just like such a shocking moment and so exciting Mm -hmm. that when uh they do that because i i definitely was not expecting that when i first watched the movie i was like wait what i i I was trying to remember also like if that was revealed in the trailer at all which i don't really remember if it was but i just remember that being such a shocking moment Mm. i don't think it was expecting that uh yeah i don't think so it was I, w- I was completely surprised and i was like what is happening to this guy's arm like what and then uh jack sparrow was like oh so there is a curse mm. and you're like oh okay tell me more yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know it, it it goes on from there but yeah it, it, that moment is fantastic mm. and um i just wanted to specifically mention the um actually I, we didn't talk earlier about the chemistry between um elizabeth and barbosa but i i think that they've got some really great chemistry as well because as i mentioned he's a bad guy he says this incredible line which is a line that i actually say quite a lot um which is okay i'm excited to hear which is i if someone asks me to do something that i don't want to do i will say that i'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request (laughs) because m why are we the same (laughs) i don't know so so Okay, when I first watched this movie, and then the several times when I rewatched it, that was the moment where I was like, "Well, I need to get up to this point before I go to bed, at least. Like, I can't. I need. I need to get to that line." And that whole scene is so awesome because I think Elizabeth says something to him, and maybe, and he's like, "You, oh, we can't understand those long, flowery words or whatever." And then they have this back and forth, and then she's like, "Well, I let me go," and then that's when he says. I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. And then she looks at him puzzled and he's like, means no. And I'm just like, <laughs> ooh, snap. Like, I, like, again, maybe I'm painting a picture of how like dorky I was then and now. But for me, I was just like, oh my gosh, such a great line. Didn't I didn't understand like those words because I had never really heard anyone speak like that before. So when it happened, I was like, wow, that's like, so perfect though his delivery is mm, amazing it really is um just uh, it's one of my favorite lines in the film yeah. and i'm so happy to hear that you're not the <laughs> only or at least i'm not the only person <laughs> who was obsessed with that specific line because it's so perfect and so like wordy but like it flows very well like, uh, uh, i'll stop talking about it because i just <laughs> love that line so much no it's so good It's just amazing how there are movies like Pirates of the Caribbean that could have like either a line or maybe even a word like learning a new word or a line delivery that connects with you so much that you're like, well, clearly this is now part of me and part of my life and I need to now use this for the rest of my life. Like this is what is what I'm going to be doing. It's it's quite amazing Um, that, you know, that um, a movie, a movie can teach you that sort of thing. And, And like you say, that it stays with you literally for the rest of your life um yeah and yeah that's that's i think barbosa does have some of the best lines and i think i think jack does have some great lines and i think a lot of them were probably ad-libbed 
by Johnny Depp. Possibly. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think from kind of just lines and just general delivery, I think that Barbosa is just spot on because he obviously he then he's the one who says, um, you know, you'd better start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You know, oh. you're in one. And then you okay. get that wonderful reveal of his cursed face. And I'm just like, yeah. boom, money shot. There you go. That's it. Yeah, that is that is like the moment I was like, is this the greatest film in the world? <laughs> like, okay. Like, like, okay. So I wrote down the entire speech. I'll try to read it really quickly. Okay. Um, because I feel like it's so good. Obviously, I'm not going to deliver it as well as him. But he says, the moonlight shows us for what we really are. We're not among the living. And so we cannot die. But neither are we dead or neither are we dead. For too long, I've been parched for thirst and unable to quench it. Too long, I've been starving to death and haven't died. I feel nothing. Not the wind on my face or the spray of the sea, nor the warmth of a woman's flesh. And then that's when he goes into, you best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. And as I'm reading this, I'm hearing him say it, and I have goosebumps. And it's literally such a good moment because... That's when she stabs him. They have that dinner and she stabs him because she wants to get away from him. And uh, that's a moment where they reveal all the blood on the knife. That's I think looks really cool. Mm -hmm. And she leaves and sees all the crewmen who are in the moonlight so that she could see all their bones. And so it's just kind of like her screaming and running around and stuff. And then this line is delivered and it's just like those like three minutes of that whole moment I think are like the peak of the movie yeah. in my opinion, like where you're just like, Oh my gosh, she does not know what she just got herself into. And this curse is not just like, uh, whatever we're cursed for this. It's like, no, like the idea of not being able to die might seem good to some people. However, he describes in those lines, like how they've been living, but they're not really alive. Yeah. And they can't really experience anything. Mm. So eating is not really satisfying them. They can't really feel like how they used to. So it's almost like it's not that they want to die, but they want to be truly alive. Yeah. And obviously eventually be able to die like a normal human being. Yeah, it's it's um, quite good, though, because it, it, it actually humanizes the characters in a really weird way. Because yes. you actually kind of yes. start to feel a bit sorry for them. And it's absolutely, um, and that's an interesting angle to take when you're talking about pirates, because, like I said, pirates are essentially the bad guys, and these are the bad guys, and yet, knowing that they can't quench their thirst, that you know, food turns to ash in their mouths, etc., etc., you kind of think, actually, I feel sorry for these people now, and and then you have yeah. that wonderful shot of Barbosa in the moonlight, kind of when he takes a drink, and it kind of just splashes down his bones yes and i'm just like that is such a great shot um and i mentioned obviously we're going to talk a little bit about the effects and everything kind of as we go along but the effects in this movie on the most part still hold up like they still look so fantastic um i i yeah i agree with you and i always wonder like whenever they would like remaster a movie or whatever why they don't do it with something like this because like I think the effects, like, in 2019 are pretty good. But, like, you know, we have seen super realistic things currently. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I wonder if they had the access to the tools that are available now, what that would look like in that film. 
And it's like, I, I'm not always, um, I, I don't want to always encourage like, oh, you should update your films or whatever. But I am interested to see like if they were to update the technology used in uh, these scenes, specifically when the moonlight hits them, mm-hmm. how realistic it would be. Because I feel like it would be even scarier because it'd probably be so realistic looking. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do agree that I think the effects still work. Um, I, I don't remember really any scenes where it didn't work for me today. Maybe like the monkey at certain times mm. when it was in the moonlight. But otherwise, I, I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I would be interested to see like if they updated it. I know they won't. But if they were to do that, like what it would look like. Yeah, I think, you know, when we're talking about the effects and everything, like you say, I think some that's why I kind of said that not all of the effects kind of work so well because I was going to specifically mention the monkey because I think oh I think the monkey when it's a real monkey I think it works really well and I'm not sure when it's like the because it's obviously um a CGI monkey or or something I know that when they did the effects for the cursed pirates they they kept the characters real eyes uh, which Mm -hmm. I find completely fascinating that they obviously kept the eyes but then kind of cgi'd the rest of the the bodies um which uh mm. i think still looks very effective and there are some specific scenes where i'm just like wow this looks so damn good like it's hard yeah, to believe that yeah. this movie was like it's 16 years old it's like what yeah, <laughs> yeah. um i mean obviously with we've talked about Elizabeth dining with Barbosa and I think just before then will will actually learns about his father being a pirate and he's also Jack also mentions that he's a pirate and a good man which again is something that is called back sort of later on in the movie that you can be a pirate and a good man yeah. which I I really kind of like and it, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier that it sows all these little seeds throughout the movie and then it pays them off later um which i really like Mm. um obviously i'm gonna mention just briefly when jack is recruiting sailors or essentially ex-pirates um to uh to join him we actually we have like a lineup and and one of them is zoe saldana who has obviously gone on to much bigger and better things sort of following this movie because she didn't return for any of the others um and i read Mm. a really interesting quote from her i don't have it in front of me Um, But it basically said in uh, a nutshell that her experience of working on this movie was really bad, um, that she she wasn't happy with um, certain people higher up in in the chain, um, that she that she didn't have a problem with any of her fellow actors, but that she felt that she was mistreated um, and um, sort of undermined on set, which is really sad because I think she she was quite young. I think she was only sort of early 20s when she made this yeah, film. Yeah, I, I read the same thing. I was kind of reading up on it as well. And I think she was 23. And I think her main point was like, the actors were great, but the way that they had their system, there was like a hierarchy that if you were lower, you were treated hmm. poorly. Therefore, she's like a new actor who, you know, has a small part in this movie. I think she's implying that she was treated badly because she was considered to be lower to maybe the people in production. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite she, she obviously didn't specify yeah. who was doing this. But my assumption is and she didn't mention the director, but it, it implies who else would be higher mm. up than the director. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know 
who exactly she's pinpointing, but it sounds like the environment, if you were a person who was not uh, top of the call sheet, maybe you weren't treated as nicely. Mm. Uh, especially also, I think she reflected that it was one of her first acting jobs mm-hmm. or at least early on in her career. So she was debating after that experience quitting yeah. because it was so bad. Yeah, and So yeah, that's really unfortunate. And it, it's quite interesting because obviously her character, um, Anna Maria, um, is kind of mm-hmm. introduced as being like this feisty pirate who's been wronged by Jack Sparrow and he promises her a ship and um yeah and then obviously will then comes in and says specifically that ship um so then jack has yeah. to kind of agree yeah. yeah that ship um but then and i don't know whether this was a result of obviously the issues on set or whatever but she's pretty much kind of not in the movie really much after that you see her in a couple of scenes and then you see her yeah. at the end and she's like oh captain here's your ship yeah here's your ship yeah. and i'm like where was the feisty Anna Maria that we saw at the start? Like, yeah, I I agree. I feel like so. I'll say for me, um, in case anyone is listening to this who doesn't know, I am black. So when I saw this movie, I was like, great, great, great. When she showed up, I was like, what? There's a black woman in this movie? Like, because mm. I honestly was not used to seeing that in big budget films. So I was really excited to see someone who looked like me in a film that was like I was already like all for and really excited about um obviously the movie is not about her so I wasn't expecting it to then focus on her however I do feel like her character was introduced as one thing and ended as another and who yes like you said who knows what the reasons for that may be but it was a bit disappointing uh watching it today Mm. uh because I think at 13 I was like great like there's someone who looks like me in this movie but then when i'm watching it today i'm like oh that's weird that she seems to be like okay captain jack Sparrow, here's your boat because i feel like her character would be like okay i know that other boat is all messed up but you still owe me a boat exactly yeah <laughs> like, i feel like i feel like her i feel like she'd be like okay so i'm gonna be here but you need to like still pro- you promised me a boat so that's the only reason why i'm here yeah that i would have liked to have seen that um from her character but yeah it's it's disappointing um I, I am very curious what happened on set. I'm sure she will never reveal the specifics, especially since it's been so long. Mm. Um, and like I say, she's but, she's yeah. gone on to bigger and better things anyway. So I'm sure it's yeah. sort of no skin off her bones that she, she obviously had this experience. She's moved on and she's obviously now um, essentially a massive star in her own right. So um yeah zoe zoe saldana is an interesting actress because i feel like her most famous parts are her uh in makeup which is interesting i think i i feel like people know what she looks like but i could see somebody not knowing because avatar and gomora in avengers she is painted up Mm -hmm. So I could see someone being like, oh, that's what she looks like. Because most of the time she's under a lot of makeup and prosthetics. Yeah. Um, I think the the only her, kind of big movie she was in um, where she wasn't was the Star Trek reboots. So, you know, they yes, did the three Star yes, Trek movies. that's true. And, um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, she she pretty much has been covered in makeup um, for the majority Which of her career. Which is a whole... Yeah, that's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. that we could obviously have at a different time. Yeah. But I noticed that a lot with like a lot of um, black actors in sci-fi movies. It seems like that is a go-to. Mm-hmm. 
to put them in some type of prosthetic or makeup and uh at least when they're starring so yeah that's a whole other thing but as far as Zoe Saldana in this film, uh, I was just really excited to see her uh, when I was 13. And I thought that was really cool that she was in this movie and that she was kind of like this tough character. Uh, I think we saw him interact with other women who like slapped him and stuff, but we didn't really get to know anything else about them. With her character, it kind of seemed like, oh, is she a pirate herself? Why she she wants to be part of this crew, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was nice to see her. And yeah, I wish I wish... Her character was a tiny bit more developed, but, you know, it, it, it was, it wasn't something I noticed back then, but something that was very obvious now. Yeah. There's a specific shot um, in the movie where it's kind of underwater and it's looking up sort of through the shipwrecks mm-hmm. with the sort of hammerhead sharks. And there's like a load of sharks that are kind of sort of swimming through these shipwrecks. And I just think, I mean, that shot is probably one of my favorite shots in the movie because it... Yeah, it, it looks awesome. It's so, it's so cool. You've kind of got the danger element of these sharks and then you've got like the sort of this sad element of all of these ships that have obviously been sunk in these waters sort of over time. And it's it's very mm-hmm. spooky. And um, and yeah, I, I, I still don't know where it was filmed. I assume it was, it was filmed in, in one of the locations I mentioned before. But um, obviously that's a real kind of ship graveyard somewhere um yeah um but it may be cgi but it it doesn't look it it looks like a genuine sort of ship graveyard regarding that scene or at least a scene similar when all the pirates are walking under the water oh i love that and i really liked that you know they're they're walking under something so at one point there's no moonlight and then they walk forward and there's moonlight hitting them so you see them kind of turn into and back out of being human and then their skeleton and back and forth. I just really like that moment, especially because it's like they're walking in slow motion mm. because they're underwater and it, it just looks really cool. It looks so good. I've actually just re- I've yeah. just found the thing on the list that I wanted to talk about. So I wanted to just kind of mention because at this point we don't know anything about sort of Jack's history. Uh, we know that he mm. used to be the captain of the Black Pearl, but we don't know kind of what happened. And then. Joshimi Gibbs, um, who's essentially like the first mate, sort of tells Will yeah. about the whole mutiny um, and that um, Barbosa kind of took command of the ship and they left him on an island to go mad and they gave him a gun with a single bullet because obviously that gun with a single bullet is, you know, is going to come back later because I think yes. specifically Jack mentions, I can't remember exactly to which character, but he says something like, this shot's not for you. Um, I think it's too Will Turner I think it, when they're ah, having their sword It fight. is, yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah. he specifically wants that bullet to be for someone. And um, yes. when they're talking, um, one of the best lines is uh, about sea turtles and the fact yeah. that the, there's this um, sort of story that how he got off the island was he took two sea turtles and he roped them together and then basically rode them. <laughs> and then, so Will asks, like, what did he use for rope? And then Captain Jack basically comes in and says, human hair from my back. <laughs> and I just, yeah, yeah. I think, I, know, I think it was ad-libbed because if you look at Joshimi Gibbs's face, he is grinning so hard. Um, oh, okay, so I think okay. it was ad-libbed because the other actor's uh, reaction is, is a genuine surprise. Um, so that's funny. Um, but essentially, at this point, the, the pirates have Elizabeth and they believe that she is the uh, she is the child of bootstrap Bill Turner. Um, yes. 
and um so they basically say well we've got to take the gold back to this cave where we stole it from in order to return it um and break the curse and we have to give a blood sacrifice and she obviously thinks that they're just gonna kill her because they don't kind of tell her otherwise um and um jack and will kind of then get to the cave and it's really cool because they're kind of creeping up to to sort of everyone in the cave it's a little bit reminiscent of uh the second indiana jones movie where they're kind of watching from afar and will knocks jack out so that obviously he can try and, and save elizabeth um, and then mm-hmm. we get the scene where and he's and he's suspicious of Jack. Yeah, as well. I mean, who you you would be because the, yeah, the guy yeah. is a pirate. So and and Jack does mention yeah. that a couple of times. He's like, uh, duh, pirate. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of Barbosa does the whole cut of the palm, which I always think is really stupid because surely that's a ridiculous place to cut someone to get blood. I mean, not that I've tried, but. <laughs> Do you not think? Like, why? Why? Yeah, what is it with yeah. palm cutting in movies? Like, if you need blood, they always cut the palm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't that. know. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously great effect. He basically clasps her hand over the medallion to put the blood yeah. on it, and then just kind of drops it into where the rest of the gold pieces are, because they think mm. obviously it's the right person's blood. Um, and then, yeah. and then the best part is how how they figure out whether it's worked or not. And Barbosa just gets his gun and shoots someone. Yes, and you see the bullet hit him, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, um, how it's shot. You like see the impact, which you normally you wouldn't see in a film mm. like this, uh, or at least a Disney film. Yeah, and yeah, that is really funny and then, because he's like, uh... yeah, they're like, did it work? How do we tell? And then it shoot, and it's like you're not dead. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, they obviously then realise, because Barbosa's like, are you the child of Bootstrap Bill Turner? And she's like, actually, yeah. I'm not. Um, and the one thing I will kind of point out is that Elizabeth, this isn't the first time she gets slapped in the face. And mm-hmm. I I kind of have a bit of an issue with the fact that she, she is slapped hard enough to kind of knock her to the ground. Um, yeah. So that's not a small slap. That's a proper whack um if if you're if you're hitting someone with so much force i mean okay she's a young woman so and she's a slight young woman um but but still that level of violence from like essentially this big massive pirate man on this small 18 year old woman to with such force that she kind of falls down onto Mm. a ledge i kind of feel is a little bit excessive um you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and I definitely could understand that perspective. For me, I felt like it was building... Obviously, it's upsetting to see someone do that, right? But as far as Barbosa as the character he is, like you mentioned earlier, when he's talking about uh, the curse that they had, you almost sympathize with him. You're like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. And then he does that, and you're like, no, he's a bad guy. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. this this isn't a good person. And so, you know, the violence that she experiences, which I think is getting slapped by him both times, or maybe another uh, pirate. I think uh, another I think pirate does it. Pirate. Yeah, another pirate does it the first time, and he steps in, and he's like, you, yeah, you don't treat yes. a woman this way. Yes, and then he, and then he himself does yeah. it. I think builds on who he is 
where I don't think he probably really values women that much beyond maybe a physical thing, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, I felt like the violence against her was to build how they view women. Is it a, a pretty sight to see? No, absolutely not. It's not something I enjoy seeing. However, I felt like, okay, I, I understand why they're doing this to build this character. It, it didn't feel cheap to me which sometimes I think certain things like this could feel cheap. Hmm. Yeah, I do appreciate what you're saying in when we're talking about the character of Barbosa in that I yeah. think I think it he is obviously very angry at this point and frustrated that this he thought this person was kind of the answer to the curse and it turns out that she's not. Um yes. and I do I do agree to the point that obviously in a sense it's calling back to the previous where he stopped you know we didn't stop but he was like you don't treat women like that kind of thing when he was trying mm-hmm. to be nice to her um and now it's kind of a, a reversal um of that but I do yeah I do kind of feel like he could have just I mean it's I guess it's kind of no better but he could have like maybe just pushed her or yeah, yeah, I, mean, shoved her off I mean it's kind of it's kind of not better um but it's not a slap in the face um but i suppose she in a way she kind of needed to be knocked out so that it kind of took her out of the equation so that then he didn't kind of worry about her because at that point will kind of emerges from the water and she awakes and he rescues her and i think if she was still Mm -hmm. conscious and talking and barbosa would be focused on her Possibly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so from that point of view, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest. Uh, I think it could have been done differently, but I do appreciate what you're saying about the character of Barbosa and the fact that, yeah, he is a bad guy. So he probably is going to do something like that. Um, yeah, there's there's the whole, oh, there shouldn't be a woman in the crew. Women are bad luck. So there's already a weird view of of women in general Mm. and i'm assuming based off of his actions barbosa probably doesn't think very highly of women just you know including the other pirates Mm. yeah um obviously at this point jack is jack has awoken from being knocked out and he then gets captured (laughs) and he he has this wonderful because he he can't remember the um parlay and um, so he goes through all of these words that include parsnip, parsley. Mm-hmm. And, then, mm-hmm. and then one of the pirates says, parlay? And he's like, yes, parlay. Um, <laughs> and and again, I don't know if that was ad-libbed, but it feels like it was. Um, but it, yeah. it's one of those where I'm, I'm never, I'm not sure whether he is sticking to the script or not. But if he's if he's not, it's it's almost seamless because you can never tell whether he's, ad-libbing or whether he's going from the script because he's that good in this movie that he could literally be saying anything that pops into his head or he could be reading off a script and you have no idea um Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. at this point um obviously jack's fallen behind and he he basically tells barbosa that he knows who they need um and it's obviously will yeah. Elizabeth basically tells Will once they get back to the ship that she had his necklace. Um I think he overreacts a little bit when he's like uh well why did you take it kind of thing and I think she's justified in that well, a she was a young child and b if her father and the commodore knew that that boy was a pirate they probably would have killed him. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Or at least put yeah. him in prison um, as, a, as a young boy. And so I kind of feel like she did the right thing for Will in sort of taking it. But I do kind of agree mm. that why did she not give it back sooner? Like, she's been keeping it as like a weird memento. And that kind yeah. of, it goes back earlier to, okay, well, why does she love Will Turner so much? And it's like, yeah. well, we, we're not sure, but she's kept this weird medallion as a memento of their first meeting. And she puts it yeah. on on like a random day for some random reason. And yeah, I, that is a bit weird. But I do kind of think that Will overreacts a little bit in kind of berating yeah. her for her decision. Uh- Again, his character seems to be the least developed as far as the main characters go. Yeah, agreed. And I, I, I think what they were trying to establish is that he obviously knew something was connected to a pirate in his life. Like, either he, you know, like someone he knew and he knew his dad gave him that. So he probably always knew but rejected it. So then getting, like, the confirmation back probably was upsetting for him since it's something he tried so hard to, like leave out of his life so it's like okay that's understandable you would be really upset but like yeah it doesn't entirely work because again we as the audience are never really a hundred percent like interested in will you know yeah so it's kind of like okay yeah you're upset but like dude (laughs) like you know like it doesn't feel like what i think they wanted yeah yeah and i do kind of feel like maybe someone like heath ledger would have been better in that circumstance but we're never ever gonna know so we just kind of have to take what we're given and he looks pretty so let's just continue to like give him lovely glances but and i don't think he's bad because he definitely could have been bad and he could have been like a letdown right but i think he's fine it's just that whenever we have to like stay on him for like any emotional thing like him being upset about learning that his dad's a pirate and blah 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 it just doesn't work as much as everything else in this yeah. film yeah i completely agree um i just want i just wanted to call back um actually to my previous episode which was on speed and there's a reason why mm-hmm. i want to call back on speed because we're in a situation where um the interceptor which is basically the fastest ship in the royal navy will and elizabeth are, are on the interceptor and the Black Pearl is obviously essentially the fastest ship in the world, we're told, um, early on in the film. Mm-hmm. And that's where Jack and Barbosa and the rest of the pirates. And essentially, we have a chase, which contains yeah. two ships. And yeah. I just specifically want to mention Speed, because Speed has a sequel called Speed 2 Cruise Control, which is set on a ship. And it's the most mm-hmm. boring ship in the world. <laughs> and when we're talking about, you know, Speed as a movie is, is great with its really intense kind of chase scenes, um, you know, on the freeway and with this bus. And it's, it's so, it really ramps up the tension. And when you're talking about ships, which don't specifically go very fast, you kind of think, yeah. well, how are they going to make this tense? But somehow they managed to make this ship chase really tense and it's really tense it's, it's done so well because you see the black pearl kind of every, you know gaining just slowly kind of gaining and they're like well the mm. interceptor is the fastest of the royal navy like we need to lessen the load you know we need to chuck stuff off to try and get faster and it's yeah. so it's one of the reasons i love it so much is the fact that 
when they realise it's too late and they basically start loading the guns with cutlery and, you know, anything to try and, and, and help themselves because they know that the Pearl's going to catch them and the pirates are going to get them. Yeah. And it's Elizabeth who actually has the idea to lower the starboard anchor, which essentially turns mm. the ship around so that they're in the right position to kind of fire the cannons, which mm. there's quite a few occasions in this movie where Elizabeth has the really smart ideas. And this is a really smart idea from her because there's no way they can outrun them. They know that. So the only option they yeah. have is essentially to turn the ship around. And it's her that has the decision. And to be fair to the rest of the, the, the people on the ship, it's, it's essentially a Royal Navy ship. So, you know, packed with naval officers, they listen to her and they, they, they turn the ship around. And it's, it's so great, not only that they, they take Elizabeth's opinion on board and they realise it's the best decision, it's the only way they're going to actually stand a chance against these pirates is to fight them. They can't fight them with the position that they're in, so they have to turn. And the, the tension is, is so ramped up and it's, it's kind of like you're never going to get that, that feeling of speed in a movie that has ships. And, and, yeah. and yet it works with, with the tension, the fact that this ship is kind of slowly kind of catching up and then the other ship kind of turns around really kind of violently. Um, and, and honestly, this kind of battle with these two ships is the reason you go and see a pirate movie. It's to see the cannons and, you know, the, yeah, the, the gunfire between the two. And it's, it's a really, really great scene. And, uh, and obviously we have to mention that the cannons kind of firing between the two ships is essentially what frees Jack because he's basically in in the prison of the Black Pearl, like um, yeah, und, um, underneath. Underneath, yeah, I can't even remember what the proper term is for. Yeah, it's I don't know what it's called. <laughs> um, in the cells, whatever. Um, so yeah, he actually gets freed because of the the cannon fire. It's it's so brilliantly done because we know that the interceptor doesn't stand a chance against a load of pirates. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 so tense and it's so wonderfully shot and it's obviously all in the open water and it's it's just like sometimes i wonder like how how do these movies that are set on water get made because it's obviously relatively deep water it's obviously not on a sound stage somewhere it's not set in a tank it's it's out in the open ocean so it it, it yeah, amazes I, me I so wonder... much yeah, I wonder how they filmed all these scenes because sometimes they'll do like a green screen with like a huge tank and stuff like that. I don't know how these scenes were specifically filmed, but to speak on like the energy that's in this film, I mean, I, I have not seen Speed 2. You, please don't. I you don't assume, need to. <laughs> yeah. I assume that, you know, they were trying to rely on like, okay that bus was going really fast. Imagine if this boat was going really fast, but didn't really think it through yeah. that, 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 that even as fast as a boat will go, when you have open water, you can't really like, you have nothing to compare it to, to see how fast it's going. Mm -hmm. So it, you like, it, it doesn't make sense when you're watching it. So like in this moment between the two ships, a lot of the tension isn't even just on the fact that, you know, that they're about to start like shooting cannons and stuff. It's more of like, what are we going to do? Okay, we need to start getting rid of stuff to go faster. Okay, that's not going to work. Okay, we need to turn around and put all the, like, forks and spoons and everything inside. And it's like panic. Yeah. And that makes the moment even more tense. Uh, and then, of course, then they start firing at each other, which is really interesting because you're like, 
how is this going to end up? Like, they don't stand a chance. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's what really helped it with its um, intensity mm. and it made it really exciting. Mm. And I'm assuming Speed 2 does not have anything remotely close no. to that. <laughs> I don't know. It's an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous movie. Don't watch it. It's Just watch Speed. It's so yeah. much better. Um, uh, yeah, I've seen Speed and I've heard about Speed 2 and the things I've heard about Speed 2 sound disappointing. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and during this, we have quite... Basically, the, the hunt is on for this medallion. Um, the medallion is... It's it's the one thing that everyone's looking for. Um, we yeah. find out the monkey is called Jack. Um, and essentially, <laughs> yeah, the monkey yeah. takes the medallion. Um, he sort of finds it on the interceptor and takes it over to to the the black pearl or actually it's the other way around i think yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um i'm just confused now of which ship they're actually on but yeah they've all kind of gone on to the interceptor um and um they the basically the whole of the the ship is attacked and the mast falls and will is trapped beneath deck which is the phrase i was looking for earlier beneath deck um oh yes and and obviously the it's flooding and he can't get out um so um they essentially rig the uh it's the interceptor that he's under so the interceptor is then rigged with a load of dynamite and they capture all of the the people um put them onto the black pearl because that's the only functioning ship at this time and um the interceptor is is blown up presumably with will in it but Mm. as this is a hollywood movie um he miraculously survives and um (laughs) he gets to the black pearl and he basically um does a deal with barbosa for elizabeth's freedom and then jack is basically like don't do something stupid and then he's does the stupidest thing he can do and reveals that he's the child of bootstrap bill um and so now barbosa knows what jack was trying not to tell him or actually we're not sure whether jack was trying to tell him or not but he implied to Barbosa that he was going to tell him. So um, he must have had a plan at some point what to do. Yeah, um, I, I think Jack knew at least at that moment. It's like, don't tell them now because that's not going to help me out. Because mm. they're not, you know, like I want to be able to reveal that. Yeah. To help me later. And um, yeah. and then we, we have a scene where um, Barbosa basically says that Elizabeth can go free, but Will didn't specify the terms of her freedom. Mm -hmm. And so she Mm -hmm. gets to walk the plank before returning the dress that he made her wear. And he makes Jack walk the plank um, before Jack basically says, well, last time you marooned me on this desert island, you gave me a pistol with one shot. And so Barbosa says, actually, yeah, I'll give you a pistol with one shot. And then Jack says, what about two shots? Because there's two of us. And Barbosa says, no, you can only have one. Um, yeah. And I just yeah. kind of mentioned um, in my notes that whoever does the stunts for Jack, the, their diving game is on point because he dives. <laughs> look, look at him dive. He dives so spectacularly into the water. Yeah. Like, yeah. I noticed that as well. I was like, wow, that's a really good dive. <laughs> it's so good. Like it's a proper professional dive going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But essentially, Elizabeth and Jack are now stranded. Um, on the same island that he was previously stranded on. And then we get some more excellent chemistry between them as they're drinking Uh, rum together. Yeah. Um, This, again, another moment where I was like, they should end up 
together like <laughs> obviously like like clearly there is so much tension between the two of them mm. and i had forgotten exactly what happened so i was like is she really drinking like wow she really just like it's just like i give up i'm just gonna whatever but obviously it was part of her plan yeah to kind of get him really really drunk so he could leave her alone while she started that fire um but when they're like running around the island and singing and all that stuff and it's like really flirtatious mm. she's flirting with him and he's flirting with her it's just like and their their delivery as actors is very convincing yeah. and way more chemistry and uh just a sexual tension than her and any scene with will yeah oh like just hands down so, yeah. hands hands down and i specifically love again elizabeth proving that she is the brains um you know the fact that she you know like 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 you just said she made him believe that she was drunk in order to get him super drunk so that he would go to sleep and then she could start a massive fire and her reasoning for doing so because he famously says you know why is the rum gone um and she's like it's a disgusting drink and if we if i set fire to all these barrels the royal navy is looking for me they will find this massive plume of smoke she is the brains behind this movie she knows what she needs to do and she executes what she needs to do and she's completely fearless and i i have so much respect for elizabeth swan i like more respect than i ever have on any previous watch like yeah, I, I agree. It's really, they really establish her as being like, she's able to think through, she's able to like figure things out because I truly thought, oh my gosh, at this second, like she's not, she doesn't know what to do. So she's just doing whatever Jack wants to do. And it's like, oh no, she has a plan. And she was right because they obviously do see it and they do save her. Hmm. Yeah, because obviously, like you say, they, they do save her. And um, she actually begs Commodore Norrington to save Will and she does it by agreeing to marry him um yeah which I th- is a little bit kind of tropey I think the whole kind of if you do this I'll marry you kind of thing but I I, I kind yeah. of understand it in the context of the movie that that's what he really wants um and that's kind of the only way to get what she wants so I kind of feel like that's yeah. really smart because so we find out, um, well, Will finds out that Barbosa killed his father, Bootstrap Bill, um, because he disagreed with uh, their treatment of Jack and because he, he sent his son this, this piece of treasure, which was cursed. Um, and sending the, the, this child a piece of the treasure has essentially meant that they've all been cursed for the last sort of eight years or so. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they essentially left him to drown, which sounds quite morbid. But if you think about it, Bootstrap Bill will also be in the same state. So he will just, we know sort of from the, the mythology of this film and ignoring kind of future films where we actually meet Bootstrap Bill, that he will be alive yeah. regardless because he can survive underwater. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, Jack agrees with um, Commodore Norrington that he will basically go into the cave um, and he will basically do the rescuing um, as long as sort of Norrington stays outside because Jack has this big master plan. Um, and when he disturbs the ritual, um, because Barbosa's like, this is impossible. Like, I stranded you on an island with, with literally nothing. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, he's literally completely bewildered. And Jack makes sure to tell Will that Elizabeth is safe 
and that she's yeah. basically going to be marrying Norrington. Um, and also, I, I kind of made a point saying that Jackie is really the most self-preserving character. Um, I put, he literally does whatever is in his best interest at the time. And if it saves someone else, then so be it. So he doesn't kind of yeah. go out to save someone. He saves people because that will, in, that's in his best interest at the time. So I kind of feel like that yeah. he, he's, he's that sort of character. Um, because he even says to Barbosa that if he kills Will and breaks the curse and they go out, then there's a the massive naval fleet out there that is going to kill them. So he's mm. he's using kind of his his tricks to kind of then persuade Barbosa. Well, actually, you don't want to be killing this young man because you're you're then going to walk out there and die. So, but if you want to do that, then you go ahead and do it. Um, because yeah, yeah. Jack's really good at telling people what they want to hear. Um, so he basically yeah, says... Yeah, he's able to convince them. Yeah. Oh, you know, you can become Commodore Barbosa, and then I'll work for yeah. you. And Barbosa's like, hmm, yeah, we know, we know that... We know how power-hungry he is. He, he started a mutiny. Um, and yeah. I kind of feel like the smartest characters in this movie are the ones that we don't expect, because we don't expect Jack to be as smart as he is, um, because he has this reputation for losing a ship um and elizabeth yeah. who's essentially a, a high society girl and the daughter of a governor like you don't expect her to be intelligent she's just a pretty rich girl um and and i really yeah. like that the film kind of takes these characters and and makes them as intelligent as they can possibly be in the situation that they're in and this is this is the great scene because obviously Barbosa agrees and this is where we get that great scene of the pirates marching under the water yes, to attack yeah, the ship yeah. and they obviously climb um the chains that are uh, with the anchor and it's so good like it's really yeah, really this fantastic is another terrifying scene completely terrifying when they when they attack the ship and just before you've got um governor swan who, who thinks he's talking to elizabeth and he basically says about oh well you know um the the whole because i kind of wrote in my notes that most characters like this would just be happy that their daughter was marrying their choice of man but he yeah. kind of he knows why she's done it and and he knows it's to save will and he acknowledges that and and i think he is a great dad he's he's not a great dad yeah, throughout the film yeah. but i think he acknowledges that his daughter is doing it because she loves someone else why she loves someone else we we will never know but um because yeah, she should yeah. be loving jack <laughs> sparrow all, clearly um and then we have the the two comic relief pirates who are called pintel and rebetti but i didn't know that until i researched it uh because oh, I, don't, yeah, I didn't know their names i don't either. think their huh. names are ever said um but yeah they okay, they dress okay. up as women and like row out on a little boat um and that's very yes. funny um yeah i mean this movie is so damn good like that it's so good and it's able to do this stuff like the scarier moments like them climbing onto the boat are shot in a way that's like it is really scary like they're slowly climbing on the boats they're killing people instantly you're seeing a whole bunch of people just die who obviously were ambushed they didn't know anything was happening um and at this point in the film there's been so many awesome moments they're just like how is this gonna end like i remember when this part happened i was like i don't know what's gonna happen which is a rare feeling i have when i watch movies because i feel like a lot of times they have like pre predictable plots hmm. um and i felt like in this film i just i was just on the journey i never knew what was gonna happen next 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I know that I'm coming back to Elizabeth quite a lot, but I, I genuinely do think... I even wrote in my notes that I think she's the MVP. Like, I know that Jack Sparrow gets yeah. a lot of the credit and he yeah, is great, is. but the only thing that I don't like from her, that like line-wise, is the, the whole try wearing a corset line. I wrote that down. Yeah, I was like, ooh, I forgot about this line. This is as much as I was saying I love the writing. Yeah, it's such a bad line. <laughs> It's the it, it's such a like we get it the corset moment happened so long ago at this point that like you do not need to bring it back. Yeah. Um Yeah, like, it just it is it feels like yeah. it's it feels like it's from a different movie. Like it feels like Elizabeth would not say that. Um yeah, it, it's a little cheesy. Um, that, that I when I watched, it, I was like, oh, I forgot you because they even zoom in on her after she like hits someone. Mm. And she says that, and it's like, this is not as epic of a moment as they think it is. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's supposed to be like the big girl power moment, but it just kind of falls really flat. And I think it's not Kira Knightley's fault. I think it's the line because it's 100 percent the line she does she does what she can with it but at the end of the day it's a crappy line. yeah it is a really bad line um but so obviously we have some wonderful fight scenes in the cave with the patches of moonlight and they because at this point obviously jack has stolen some of the treasure and he's now cursed as well so you have the wonderful scenes between him and barbosa in the cave where they're fighting each other and they're going in between these patches of moonlight and they're switching between mm-hmm. sort of cursed, uncursed, cursed, uncursed. And it looks so great. Yeah, it's really I good. Mean, I kind of feel like we're, we're, we are gushing about this movie, but it there's very little to fault this movie on. It does have faults, yeah. definitely. But I, I, I think we've pointed out its faults. Like, it, it, no movie is perfect. So, like, we have mentioned that. But overall, this movie is freaking amazing. So, like, <laughs> it's hard to not gush over mm. it, you know? Like... It's just so much fun. And yeah, that that moment where I think Barbosa like either stabs Jack or whatever and Jack doesn't die and he's kinda of like, What? And that's when he reveals like, Oh, I had to steal. Yeah. You know what? It's me, Jack Sparrow, duh. And so like it, that moment's like great. And then also the fight that they have continuing where it's back and forth with them being skeletons mm. and humans and blah blah blah. I mean, it's just so exciting and so much fun, this dynamic they have between each other. And then the entire film itself has so many moments like that, that, yeah, I, I think it's really hard for me to, like, it. it's exciting the entire time. So it's just hard for me to ever think of, like, somebody not enjoying this film, you yeah. know? Like, uh, w- even with its, like, tiny moments here and there that may not work, but, like, overall so much of it does work yeah it really really does and we've got to the basic point at the end of the movie now um elizabeth basically wants to know whose side jack is on um we still don't know no one knows whose side jack is on jack is on jack's side and um jack basically bleeds onto the treasure he throws it to will and you get this sort of moment with a shot firing out and you think it's um barbosa shooting will but it's not it's jack shooting barbosa um, and then you get that yes. amazing scene where you just kind of see this red kind of spread on his chest. Yeah. And you realise that him Barbosa is mortal. Um, and so, obviously... And he does another line that's amazing when he's like, I feel oh, I love that. cold. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh my God. It's like almost heartbreaking because it's like he finally feels something, but it's his death. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh, 
my god this movie it's so good (laughs) i had that in my notes actually about his final line because it is so all he ever wanted was to feel and now he feels and it's the end um obviously spoiler alert it's not the end because barbosa comes back in the other movies but but in this point to have to have his death you think his death is final so it, it it means something in this movie that all he wanted was this one thing and he's got it and and then he's he's gone. But it also means that obviously all of the other pirates who are at this point fighting um, on the, the, the ship against the naval officers um, are also now mortal and are also susceptible to die. So they yes. surrender because they're pirates and they're cowards and that's what mm-hmm. pirates do. You know, pirates don't do stuff because, you know, um, they do something if they're going to get gain out of it and they'll surrender if they feel like they they're not gonna they're not gonna kill themselves basically they they're gonna surrender so um yeah yeah and so the curse has been lifted and and will has a moment to tell elizabeth um and he doesn't um and so at this point elizabeth knows that jack is going to be hanged because he's pirate yeah. um and so we have a scene at jack's hanging um where will takes so basically this is this is another reason with Will, right? So he gets all dressed up with this really cool hat and everything. And um, Elizabeth is there with her new fiancé. And he takes that opportunity mm. to tell Elizabeth that he's in love with her at a hanging. And I'm like, dude, yeah, Will, what? Will doesn't know what he's doing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, time and place. If this is a somber event. This is a hanging. And yeah. your beloved is with her fiancé. And you're gonna, and I'm like, what? Okay, but but well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I put in my notes that Elizabeth is smart enough to fake fainting, so that she yes. distracts um from Will, who's obviously gonna try and and save Jack. Um, and and mm. then the escape is is so good that. I actually felt a little bit distressed when they got caught because it was like, oh, come on. Like, yeah, that yeah, was so good. Same. And now they've been caught um, because all of the, the stunt work and everything in this film is, is, is so good. Like, I know it's probably completely fake that Jack Sparrow can swing and climb and, and do all these oh, cool yeah, things. Oh, yeah, like but... the actual ability of someone being able to do that. But it looks really cool oh and God. it feels real in the moment. It looks so amazing. Um, and... And then I kind of put a note at the end that obviously Elizabeth professes her love for Will, who's essentially now the associate of a pirate. So I I did kind of feel like maybe Norrington would take it a little bit worse than just kind of say, oh, OK, well, you love him. OK, then fine. Bye. Um, and yeah, yeah, he seems like a person who like wouldn't really... He, it seems like he probably went home and cried. <laughs> like, he, well. like he, he's trying to make sure, like, okay, I'm just like totally fine with this, whatever. But then he turns the corner and he starts sobbing because I, I don't think he would let people see him get emotional. Maybe, um, but yeah, he, he seems very cold. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, I do see what you mean. But essentially, we've reached the end of the movie. Jack's the captain of the Pearl again, and. He yeah. says the iconic line about, um, you know, bring me that horizon. The end. We are finished. The mo- the movie ends. The music swells. Oh, so and good. I think he's like, yo ho, my pirates, yo ho, or whatever he says uh, at the end. And yeah. the movie ends, and you're just like, woo! 
like it's just like such a like great feeling it feels like i can't believe i just like saw like the greatest movie you know yeah um, it's so good and it, it it's so so good and yeah the the music uh, some i i mentioned this sometimes on my podcast like i don't always ob- observe the music as much in films like i tr- i'm trying to be better at that but in this film like that ending the music kind of swells up mm. and it's just like it kind of gets your heart racing a little bit but then the movie ends you're like oh man like it's just a great ending it's it's so good and it 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 does end in such a way that you know it calls for a sequel kind of thing it, it's set up in such a way of that course. that a sequel yeah, yeah. could you know obviously they didn't know if it was going to be successful it shouldn't have been successful it kind of went against all of the odds and it was it was actually the fourth highest grossing movie of 2003 um so it wow. was massively successful the only movies that were higher grossing were Lord of the Rings Return of the King Finding Nemo and The Matrix Reloaded so Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's fourth highest grossing movie of that year. It's just a really, really phenomenal, enjoyable, wonderful movie. Like, the, a proper yeah, movie, I, like the way movies are supposed to be. Again, like I said at the beginning of this, I really feel like re-watching this recently has made me, like, I'm supposed to see movies this weekend. I'm like, Ugh, but they're not going to be, like, pirates. Like, they're not going to be, yeah. you know, like, I'm kind of feeling a little, like, it's not gonna be like as good and i know it's not (laughs) it's a bit depressing isn't it like i'm a little like i can't believe how good this movie is and i wish the newer films that we're getting now were like Mm. this um and hopefully maybe they will be or maybe i just need to go back and watch older movies you know um it's it's yeah yeah, it's like it it, movies like this instill like a, a sense of wonderment and joy and because yeah. like you say, when you've got this kind of score and it's it's building up and you've, like, I keep mentioning lightning in a bottle, but it does feel like this is lightning in a bottle. Like, everything yeah. has come together so wonderfully on this movie. And it, it's a bit depressing that we we had so many subpar sequels and that, mm. so, and that Hollywood is so reliant on sequels and a lot of them are just generally really rubbish. Um, and you know where is the originality in filmmaking because this is an original idea okay it's based on a ride but the idea for the movie is original and the fact it's something so different and new it really works yeah and i think earlier we were mentioning you know like this is a big blockbuster film but like when you think about it at the time of the release of this film yes it was a big blockbuster film but the stars in the film i'll speak specifically about johnny depp weren't necessarily known to be uh box office draws like mm-hmm. it wasn't like okay you put johnny depp in the lead of this uh multi-million dollar film people are gonna go see it you yeah. know after this movie i think that happened for him definitely but yeah. bef- but before this movie so like it is rare because i can't think of many movies coming out like this summer that are big movies that aren't led by huge stars yeah you know like like that's that is weird to like or like that would be led by an indie star like uh, somebody who is like like I, I can't think of anything at least for this summer, but I don't know that it is very unique because again, um, Kira Knightley was relatively unknown, I guess internationally at least. Uh, I, I I feel like Orlando Bloom probably would have been the biggest star at that moment, and even 
his part doesn't reflect that because you would think if you have a big star you would give them a big part mm. but the big part goes to johnny depp yeah. you know um so it, it is really interesting to think about it at that time obviously now so much has happened with the sequels i've only seen three um yeah i think i've only seen me too. I've... pirates of the caribbean three yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see anything further i i have heard that maybe the recent one had some good moments here and there or whatever but like I, there's nothing that is drawing me to actually go see those sequels no i mean knowing that like johnny depp as an actor seems to have really like gone into the deep end when it comes to this character yeah I, when i was re when i was reading about some of the stuff when it came to this character like something like he went to the dentist and he purposely put in gold teeth because he didn't think that disney would let him have as many gold teeth in his mouth for the character so he just did it at the dentist anyway so they would have to deal with it or like uh makeup choices where they like made his scab bigger as the film progresses just for fun like it seemed like johnny depp was like going full force like i am jack sparrow yeah. like you know and i think probably in these later films it it probably got worse yeah i i do feel very much that he cared about the role in 2003 and i mm. think as progressively as time has gone on I, I feel like it's a role that i don't think he cares about i think it's just I think, to be honest, he sees it as a paycheck. Um, and Probably. I mean, yeah. I've not seen, like like you say, the most recent ones. Um, I think I might have seen a little bit of the fourth, but I think I switched it off because it was so terrible. Um, but wow. I, when you see this Captain Jack and when you see one of the, se the sequels, Captain Jack, they feel like, it feels like a completely different character and a completely different actor. And there's just, there just feels like there's so much energy in this movie that's missing from his performance and the others and i yeah. i don't i don't know why i don't know if there's a reason like maybe he was contractually obliged and so he felt like he had to do them i'm i'm not i don't know i really don't but yeah the whole the whole gossip with johnny depp i mean we've already mentioned that he has he's problematic but i think he's also done interviews specifically where he's talked about how much wine he buys mm. and how he has an island and like you know obviously the amount of spending he's doing is a lot so maybe that requires him doing these big movies so he could pay for his lifestyle like i don't know maybe um um, but yeah, it, it is disappointing when you start to think about like the legacy of the franchise, but the film itself, this one film is perfect. It's, oh, it so it's much. so good. It's so good. And <laughs> be just before um, we recorded, I, I just, I always like to ask on social media for people's general comments and stuff like that. So I'm just going to run through a couple of comments. So I've got a comment okay. from Instagram um, from Vegimorph who said, um, an excellent, nostalgic, old-fashioned, swashbuckling classic with a unique spin in part thanks to Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow came out during the adventure-slash-fantasy boom of the late 90s to early 2000s and reminded me of old classics like Captain Blood. Great stunts, story, effects, and characters all around. I'm kind of in the minority on this, but after hearing about the cut material for his character, I feel really bad for Norrington. Now, I don't know what this cut material is, um, but I'm interested to find oh. out. So I might find that out sort of after we record and maybe post about it on social oh, media. Like what material? Yeah, about, I, like... I don't know. Maybe he had more stuff to do or because Norrington doesn't really do oh. much. Um, 
but um, but yeah, that might be interesting to investigate what that is specifically. But yeah. I, I I'm not entirely sure. Um, so on Twitter, I had quite a few um, at Geek Salad Radio. Andy said, still possibly the best of the Walt Disney Studios live action films. It's such a fun roller coaster. Ironic. And the best filmed representation of a Disney Parks attraction that holds the spirit of the ride. Which I think is a generally kind of a really good summarisation of the last three hours and 15 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Read his comment if you want to save time. Yeah, yeah but otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Always Critic Pod said, First movie that ever warranted multiple rewatches while it was still in theatres. Intro to Kira Knightley. Intro to Rum. And then Orlando Bloom, love heart eyes emojis always. Um, I mean, we've been a little bit critical of Orlando Bloom um, just generally, but I mean, he. The thing is, is when you're talking about a movie that's so perfect, something that's a little bit less perfect really stands out, and I kind of feel like that's where Orlando Bloom is. He's not terrible, um, but he he stands out as being not as good as everyone else. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned before, they developed the other characters so well. And with his character, they just didn't do much with it. So, like, there wasn't much for him to do. So, like, he is kind of an afterthought, in my opinion. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, Orlando Bloom's in this. But, like, really, yeah, I, I think more about Johnny Depp and Kira Knightley. Yeah, as do we all. Um, at, fa- <laughs> at False Starts Pod said, Saw this movie four times in the cinema. Once with friends, once with family on holiday, once on my own on the same holiday, it was raining, I was bored, once again when there was a free screening. Didn't get old, still holds up, a great movie, and it should have stopped at one. Agreed, on all of those points. (laughs) Yeah. At Box Office Pulp said, Seeing the Pirates films in theatres was a family tradition for me, so I'll always have a soft spot for the franchise, even if the later entries don't stack up anywhere close to the first film. At The Midnight Myth says, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, this is so wrong, it's right. Who knew you could build such an iconic movie out of a theme park ride? Perfect balance of humour, horror, and a pretty solid critique of colonialism. (laughs) Also, I love Kira Knightley forever and always. Yeah, I mean, Kira Knightley is, like I say, she's, she's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I would like to see her in more movies like this, which I know she has kind of become more of like the period piece actor, you know, like that's kind of what she's known for. Yeah, she she tends she to do more re- sort of serious roles, dramatic roles now. And, and she's fantastic in them, but this was so much fun and she was so freaking good in it. I'd love to see her do a movie Yeah, like me too. Again. I love Keira Knightley. Um, I think she yeah. she had a period kind of at this time where she was in pretty much everything, um, sort of in this, in this time mm-hmm. period, but I mean, she's so fantastic and like you mentioned earlier, she... I think she's been drinking from the same fountain of youth as Keanu Reeves and Paul Rudd because she looks the same now that she yeah, did then. Yeah, as she did. And she was 17. Like, what? Like, I'm still shocked by I that. I know. When Kira Knightley is off making these amazing movies and, and doing such a fantastic job against seasoned actors who are, like, more than twice her age. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Um. At Hugo's Post said, I was just watching a series of trivia on the pirates. I do love me some Jack Sparrow. Again, we all love Jack Sparrow. He's perfect in this film. Um, And then at S. Alexander Film, one of the best blockbusters of the noughts, endlessly rewatchable. If you ever want to feel epic, just listen to the score. Oh my God, the score is so great. 
Um, yeah. And at Kate does. Awesome way of reintroducing a genre that had fallen out of fashion. Wish someone would do it this well with the Western, but also was one of the earliest examples of films that became unnecessary franchises. And that's a really interesting comment because I think they have tried with with Westerns. Um, they've they've tried mm. to reboot old Westerns. They've tried to reinvent Westerns with the quite awful Cowboys and Aliens, which I hated with a passion. Um, <laughs> I have not. Oh, it was really bad. Um, but I would like to see some genres of movies that have fell out of fashion because I think Westerns specifically have fallen out of fashion. Yeah. That to, huh. to reboot them in, in of... such a way would, would be wonderful. Um, but uh, Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would be definitely interested to see something like that at this scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who knows? Because it seems like right now our, the industry is really dominated by superhero films. Mm, so yeah. I don't know what next will happen. No. Um, but um, I am very happy to say that I believe this is coming up to the end of this episode. <laughs> and we said, didn't we? We did it. We said <laughs> that we wanted to make it shorter than the previous one. Um, and um, I, think, I think technically it is. Well... I mean, I might edit some bits and pieces out, but I'm going to have to edit yeah. quite a lot out to make it shorter. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But if if it if it is longer than the last one, you have now broken the record that Kristen set. <laughs> so um, if that's the case, then kudos to you, Sade. Um, thank you. Thank you for your excellent and wonderful opinions on Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And obviously, now I would like to give you um, a little moment to obviously plug your wonderful show and tell people where they can find you and, and how they can listen to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I haven't thought about this movie in so long. So when you brought it up as a suggestion, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, let me watch it. And it was just a great experience uh, watching it and talking about it with you. Um, if anyone is interested in uh, my podcast, it's called Off Screen Babble. Uh, you can pretty much listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Offscreen Babble. We're also on Letterboxd. I'm trying to get back into that so you can search our name, Offscreen Babble, on Letterboxd as well. And um, and yeah, I I also have a letterbox, but I don't promote it either. So I should probably start doing that as well. But um, it's so hard to track everything. Yeah. I'm like trying to get better at it because it's a great idea. It's just I'm I'm lazy and I never do it on time. But I'm gonna try to get better. Yeah, at it. me too. I I do try and and keep it updated, but it's it is really tough because you've got to like you've got to you think well I'll update Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and website and, mm -hmm. and everywhere else and it's just like oh my god I've got to do Letterboxd as well <laughs> you know it's um if, yeah. if only there was like an app or something that just updated everything um that would be awesome yeah exactly um, there probably yeah. is that does like social media and stuff but um not that will do something like Letterboxd and your website and and all of that kind of gubbins as well but um yeah. but yeah obviously um thank you so much for coming on verbal diorama um i think you're a wonderful person and um obviously like i said before i love your show and and more importantly um i just i genuinely love you as a person um because you're oh wow thank you so much no. i love you too this is like so nice no but you i just feel like let's just let's just gush over each other now but you're so I know, nice like, wow. <laughs> but no but genuinely like um 
my journey into podcasting has has not been easy and and you have been there sort of every step of the way and 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 you know you have been there kind of saying when is your podcast coming out I want to listen to you like get something out and (laughs) and really kind of you know pushing me and and supporting me and and yeah honestly everyone listening should obviously listen to your show because it's wonderful and obviously as a listener I endorse that because I I listen and I think it's great I often kind of feel like sometimes it's it's easy for um, a show sort of any show to just kind of be a podcast and to not kind of engage with sort of other people or, or with listeners and and one thing I love about you and and Kyle and I know obviously you do the majority I know that Kyle obviously does stuff and you know let's not sort of say that Kyle doesn't because he genuinely does do stuff but you obviously manage a lot of the social media and the engagement with people and and I know that you work so hard at what you do and that you're always kind of engaging on social media and but you're always so nice to everyone like and and because because thank you <laughs> genuinely yeah no i i really appreciate you even taking the time to say all of this and i i really feel like very uh supported by you as well because like i mentioned before there are so many times i'm like this what am i doing why am i literally trying to get people to listen to garbage like i'm just like so mean to myself you know and then when i'm talking to you or you always are really encouraging and have like great ideas and a lot of energy towards like okay let's try this thing or do you want to do something else and I just really appreciate that because it's hard sometimes to make a product like a podcast and put it out for people and you know I I guess I'm a little insecure about it so like it it is really nice to have someone there who is supportive thank you during that time no I I really I really do appreciate you saying that and and yeah, obviously I didn't say that to you so that you would say it to me. Um, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but basically, basically, everyone, what we're saying is that verbal diorama and off-screen babble are yeah. always there for each other and support each other. And obviously, I know I, like we mentioned earlier, I've already been on your show because we talked about Endgame. But obviously, mm-hmm. um, I very much hope that I can be on a future show as um, of yours and that you can obviously yes. then come on to another show of mine and um, yes i i would love you to come back on we can obviously discuss at any point uh the upcoming movies that you'd want to review well obviously i feel exactly the same way but it'll probably be an older movie with me because i do yeah, yeah. <laughs> tend to uh, to stick to the older movies however now um i normally at this point i have a little bit of spiel that i i say to kind of oh well this is what i'm going to do next and it's not an older movie. It's a very, very recent one. Ooh. So it's a little bit different um, um, to all the listeners. Um, thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. My next episode will be out in two weeks. And I have a special guest um, who is coming on. It's someone who Sade knows. And my special guest uh, will be Chin Lin from Bingeables podcast. Oh, nice, and nice. Chin Lin and I are very interested in a certain franchise which has just released a movie. Um, so we will actually be looking at X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, wow. We're also going to... I think we're going to talk a little bit about the X-Men movies in a nutshell. Um, but obviously, we want to try and keep it below three hours. So it'll probably just <laughs> primarily focus on Dark Phoenix. 
And if you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed and Aladdin. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Verbal Diorama. And you can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. If you like what I do and you want to give me a great review, you can do so on iTunes. And I'd really appreciate that. And as Sade mentioned earlier, it's really great when we get reviews. Um, It really kind of lifts our spirits. So please do that if you like what we do. If you want to buy me a coffee, um, which I think people know that I pretty much run on coffee now, um, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash verbal diorama. Thank you again, Sade, for coming on the show. It's been wonderful to have you you here. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Um, Thank you everyone for listening. Um, I will see you next time. And if you want pain, try wearing a corset. Um, I mean, don't though. They're really super uncomfortable and Verbal Diorama does not endorse corset wearing in any way. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.